Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined this week by Dave Somerville. Hi, hello. Hi, hello. And by Jake McGee. Hello, hi. Hi. Uh, now, Jake, <laughs> I understand you, you're just getting over a cold, is that correct? Oh, nothing quite like the festive flu. That's <laughs> I've uh, I've been suffering myself for the past uh, three days or so. Uh, felt abs- I thought it was just on my deathbed yesterday, but uh, I don't know if you can hear my voice. Feeling better today, a lot better today, but still not a hundred percent. Dave, are you feeling okay? Did you enjoy your festivities? Uh, yeah, probably the less said about them, the better. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I I mean, I was in the bar on uh, New Year's Eve, and I think the highlight of my night was uh, getting them to put on Red Zone in the bar. So that was nice. <laughs> in McNeil's pub. Obviously, it was necessary, and uh, might have seen a touchdown or two that we'll talk about very shortly. We certainly will. I should uh, also start off by saying Happy New Year, gentlemen. Ah, Happy New Year. Yes, and a Happy New Year to all of our listeners as well. Uh, I'm not sure what the cutoff point is for saying Happy New Year to someone. Like, if you see someone on the th- uh, third... I think Larry fourth, David said the fourth. The fourth. You don't think the fifth? You don't think that if you get to the fifth and you've not seen someone? You're well, Larry David says the fourth. We can probably go with that. We can go with that. That's fine. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, week 17 has been done. There is one mm. week left to go. And of course, the playoff implications were absolutely massive this week, uh, but not all decided. Still a lot to play for in the final week. But before we do that, I'm going to start the show with an apology to our listeners uh, because I missed a vital piece of news. In fact, we all did. We missed a vital piece no, of news. No, oh, just me. Sorry, James. It was just me. We missed a vital piece <laughs> of news. This was actually published on the 13th of December. I know, it's now the 3rd of January, and I just saw it this morning. We're going to talk about it. Um, that is that the NFL ownership have voted to double the international games beginning in 2025. This is via NFL.com. Um, just very quickly, it says, the National Football League clubs today voted to approve an increase in league-operated international game inventory from four up to eight games a season beginning in 2025. Um, the NFL will have the right to schedule up to eight regular season games per season internationally. Uh, and the new host cities and stadiums will be announced at later dates. Now, um, as we know, in 2024, there's going to be a regular season in Sao Paulo, Brazil. It'll be the first one ever mm. in South America. Um, there's also going to be two games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. There's going to be a third game at Wembley, uh, where the Jaguars will play a team at Wembley. Um, and there'll be a fifth game, uh, which will see the NFL back in Germany for the third consecutive year at the Alliance Arena in Munich. Um, so there we go. Now, there has been some speculation about what the future venues will be. There's been talk about resurrecting some of the former international uh, venues, such as Toronto. Um, that's been mentioned. Mexico City as well. Uh, but the news is just absolutely incredible. Eight international games are just increasing mm-hmm. um, the the awareness and hopefully the love for this, this game that we all love and enjoy and uh, love to spend all our waking hours thinking about so that we can do a podcast that we don't get paid for. It's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful life. Eh? Oh, see, tidying Christmas with that. Look at that. 
There you go. Oh. Uh, so, gentlemen, we are going to move straight on because Dave is despairing here. Um, oh, and we're going to start with the Thursday night game of Week 17 where the New York Jets took on the Cleveland Browns um, at Cleveland Browns Stadium in front of 67,919 fans. And the Browns prevailed to move to 11-5 and with a 37-20 win over the New York Jets. Joe Flacco had himself another game really good game uh, i don't know what this guy has been uh, eating or drinking or smoking i don't know but he's he's playing like he's 10 years young yes he he's playing like 2012 joe flacco which is utterly terrifying um 37 to 20 as i say the browns uh, beat the jets just a couple from the box scored here and um, the aforementioned joe flacco 19 of 29 309 yards three touchdowns one pick a rating of 121.2 Two. On the ground, Jerome Ford went 12 for 64, um, but he did also catch two passes for 57 and two touchdowns, receiving it. David and Joko had an amazing game. He had six catches off eight targets for 134 yards. On the other side, Trevor Simeon, 32 of 45, 261 yards, one touchdown, one pick, uh, 83.7 rating. On the ground, Brees Hall went 13 of 84, and as far as receiving goes, Brees Hall was the leading receiver, nine catches, 42 yards, and a touchdown uh very quickly um did you did either of you guys did you watch the thursday night game i know it was like in the middle of sort of festivities and what was going on through the week but uh dave did did you watch this game at all did you watch any highlights of this game i, I caught some of it um well I, what I did notice so uh, I, I, yeah i caught some of it um but not a whole lot because it kind of went I, I mean after the first half it was done it was just it was game set and match because um I mean, it was 34-17 at halftime. Yeah. Uh, just like, yeah, the Jets aren't coming back here. But well, one thing I did notice from the game uh, that wasn't mentioned was the amount of penalties the Jets conceded. Uh, or were, I say conceded, committed, but they yeah. were just committing. Uh, yeah, committed, committing fouls left, right, and center. I think it actually totaled 12 penalties in the game. So, yeah, I mean, they just they lost their cool. And I'm afraid Joe Flacco outplayed the Jets, which is a terrifying thing to say in 2024. Four, twenty twenty-three, but yeah. we're saying that in twenty twenty-four now is ridiculous. But uh, yeah, that was one of the main things. But you know, the Browns are the Browns, and they seem to be getting it done in every game this year. Uh, the Browns are the Browns, uh, but they're not the Browns because we thought the Browns were rubbish at the beginning of this year. So, Jake, <laughs> just very, very quickly, Jake, um, the Browns are eleven and five. Joe Flacco is playing as I say, as he was back in in twenty twelve. Um, They've clinched a wild card spot. They've currently got the fifth seed uh, in the AFC. The Browns are quite scary going into the playoffs, aren't they? They certainly are, and I think there's going to be a lot of talk about awards, and I'm sure we'll speak about that later. It'd be hard-pressed for me, for Kevin Stefanski not to be coach of the year, really, when you consider very early on in the season they lose their franchise player, and I'm not talking about Deshaun Watson, I'm talking about Nick Chubb. Uh, next week they're going to start their fifth starting quarterback, uh, which I think is like a record that stood since like 1950. Um, it's just whatever kind of gets thrown at them. They didn't have Amari Cooper this game, and you couldn't really tell because, like you say, uh, Andrew stepped up. Um, running backs when Chubb went down, Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt both stepped up. They just seemed to find a, a way and are willing to win. And yeah, it's not a team you really look forward to playing in the playoffs, especially as the Whoever ends up winning the AFC South, I would imagine, ends up playing the the Browns because the AFC South is the kind of lesser division. Um, 
they're going to be a 10-win team, I'm assuming, all the other divisions. Higher wins, I'm just trying to wrap my brain. I think it will be. Mm. Um, the, but, you know, the Jaguars, Texans, or the Colts versus the Browns. And sure, you'll have a home field game, but you don't really fancy playing the Browns, especially because I think these are one of the teams that they're kind of locked to where they are, so they are resting players next week. Arresting Joe Flacco. He's come off the couch, won, what, four or five games, and is getting rested. That What a crazy scenario. Well, yeah, because I was actually going to see the um, the Browns have won four in a row with Flacco. Like he, he, he came in for that first game against um, against your Rams, actually, Dave, mm-hmm. uh, back on the 3rd of December, uh, which they lost, uh, 36-19. Or sorry, the, the Rams won, I should say, 36-19. Uh, but since then... I, I don't know. I don't know what's happened to him. <laughs> He's just exploded. Um, you know, so he, he had a game against Jacksonville, Chicago, Houston, and the Jets. Three touchdowns to one, uh, two to three, three to two, three to one. His ratings uh, in this last week is 121.2. Four wins on the bounce, as I say. And you've got to think. I know it's a small, it's only five games. But... Do you think it's ridiculous to see comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco? Between him and... Considering yeah. the alternative. Yeah, DeMar uh, Hamlin. I, I, uh, it, it's Joe Flacco. It shouldn't be a question. Yeah, DeMar it, Hamlin has been active for like one game. I'm not diminishing, obviously, what happened last year. Of course. But he's not comeback player of the year because he hasn't played this year. Yeah. Joe Flacco is a, com- is a, is a comeback player of the year. He was, you know... Even the last few times he's played for the, the Jets and the Broncos, you know, he's a washed old man. He had one good year. Everyone Absolutely. mocks him for being elite. When when the Browns signed him, uh, signed him, everyone was like, "Wow, this is desperate." And then it's turned out to be a masterclass. Because it was it was it was four. Well, I'm saying four years ago. It was actually it was four. It was 2019. It was 2019 when he played for the Broncos, and he looked washed. It was four mm-hmm. four seasons ago. He looked just absolutely hopeless. Played the Jets for three years or whatever it was. He was hopeless. He looked terrible. And now he looks really good. And as I say, he's 4-1. He lost that first run. He had no time to prepare for the game with the Rams anyway. Um, and, you know, the, the whole sort of thing with, you know, Baker Mayfield came in with 40 or, 48 hours prep against the Raiders. And then, uh, you know, someone comes in for this team and they were a, a day's prep and they end up winning. Josh Dobbs did it uh, with the Vikings and that. But... You know that those are anomalies. That doesn't happen all the time. Do you know, it, it, usually what happens is a guy comes in, got no time prepared. You're going to lose. That's and that's what they did. But then with just one week's prep, he's winning, and they rattle off four wins. They were seven and five, and they looked like they were on a downward spiral, having signed Joe Flacco. And they thought their season's over. They're not going to win another game. They've now clinched a wild card. They're eleven and five. Uh, they could finish 12-5. and five. It's, it's utterly, utterly bizarre. So, yeah, I think, honestly, comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco. It's weird to say that. Um, but, gentlemen, we are going to move on to the Saturday game between the Detroit mm-hmm. Lions and the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium in front of 93,731 fans. And this game was, ah, how can we put it? It was bizarre. It was very controversial, very controversial Mm -hmm. Um, for a couple of reasons, but for one main reason. And we all know what that reason is. Anyone who doesn't know, um, we shall explain to you in that um, the uh, Detroit Lions trailing 20 to 13 with 23 seconds to go. 
a touchdown pass from Jared Goff to Amonrasi Brown to make it 20 to 19. Um, they go for a two point conversion to win the game, and it looks like they get it. He throws a touchdown to uh, an offensive lineman, and then the the refs have a wee huddle about it and throw a flag and say that the offensive lineman did not declare himself eligible, therefore it's illegal touching, five-yard penalty. Now, at this point, if I'm Dan Campbell, I'm kicking the extra point. But they go for two again. And they get an offside against, uh, was it Mike Parsons? I think it was. I remember who it was. And they get another shot. was offside, yeah. They get another shot at a two-point conversion. And they don't get it. And they wind up losing the game. Jake, did you see any of this game? It was bizarre. Um, But I'll be honest, there was a couple of times Dan Campbell could have, there was earlier on he could have taken a field goal, went for a fourth down, didn't get it. They, They should have actually been in the lead in this game. Instead of trading by a point, they should be leading by two. Jake, what did you make of the Cowboys and the Lions? It was a strange one because uh, Goff interception should have ended the game before that. I think it was about two minutes ago, Goff threw an interception and Dallas decided to then throw it three times. And they took like seven seconds, I think, in total off the clock. It was ridiculous. They gave him another chance. He rectified it. Like say, they went and got their touchdown. And then they had technically four attempts at a two point because one of the ones, uh, one of the times they went for it, uh, I think Dallas called a timeout. So four times they lined up for this two point conversion. It was just a mess. And yeah, when you get to the fourth one, you're like, you know what? This is curse, absolutely curse. Should we just kick the kick the one? But uh, Dallas had 23 seconds and a timeout, so I understand the analytics and a lot of teams trying to do it now, going for two. Um, but it's just a absolutely monumental change to the playoff picture. Um, yeah, it was. It's insane, and, and Dan Campbell doing his best to avoid being fined and kind of saying they they meet with the referees before the game. He laid out exactly what they were going to do, told them how they were going to do it. They went over and did it, and they still get it called. And uh, the referee or the head official, Brad Allen, was in charge of the Saints-Falcons game when there was a terrible call. He was in charge of the Chiefs-Packers yep. with the uh, terrible calls in the end of that game. And everyone was like, okay, well, they, they're not going to undo this mess uh, they never do sometimes you get an apology the Lions haven't even got an apology the NFL are just not saying they've done anything wrong which is impressive um, and, but the reward or the punishment for, for Brad Allen's crew is national TV this week Steelers Ravens I, I don't understand if you see a referee in the, the football in the English game the soccer um, if they have a bad game or make a bad decision, they, they throw them away to the championship or a lower league for a week or two. Hopefully, you know, it'll die down. Everyone will forget. Someone else will make a mistake. Mm. They'll forget about it. You don't put them on national TV the next week because if they make even one bad call, everyone's going to be like, it's rigged, it's rigged. I, I don't understand the process here. Um, the, the NFL are coming out and defending it and saying, no, 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 everything was fine and it's all fine, even though it, every, you know, anyone with eyes can see it was blatantly wrong. Yeah. And then to put Brad Allen back in the firing line on national team, bizarre to me. Uh, yeah, just just after the game, um, Rex Ryan was on uh, one of the anal- I forget if it's ESPN. He's on Rex Ryan. He was talking to one of the, one of the the crews anyway, 
Um, and he, he said exactly what you said, Jake. He says, I guarantee you. He says, I know this for a fact, that before the game, Dan Campbell will have spoken to the refs and told them exactly what he was going to do. So for the refs to say, oh, well, you know, number 70 declared eligible, but 68 did I forget the numbers. 68 didn't. And I go, no, we told you exactly what we were going to do. The reason they do that is to confuse Dallas. So they're like, ah, you know, what's happening here? Even though it generally gets announced, you know, such and such declared as an eligible receiver. But they told him, this is what we're doing. He's going to declare eligible. He's going to be up here. He's going to do that. They did it. And the refs called illegal touching. Uh, Dave, did you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I hope you weren't messaging Ewan and rubbing it in. No, because I, I obviously I, I very much prefer Detroit to Dallas. There's, there's just no competition in my eyes. Uh, but I, the reaction straight after, uh, you know, it was called, told me exactly. I knew what had happened. I, it, it was you know anyone watching the game uh, was able to tell. And you know, I feel so bad for Lance. They were so aggressive in the game. They wanted to take the game to Dallas the entire time. Obviously not successful enough uh, to get the win, but in my opinion, they should have had the win. Um, but, you know, like 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 you were saying earlier, Dan Campbell had chances to win it. He could have gone for three points a couple times. He didn't. Um, and, you know, in the end, they're kind of getting punished for, well, for, for going for the aggressive route. So sometimes you do sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, but this is a this is a case where it was someone else, not the other team, that's affected that. And that is I mean, it should they should have at least twenty one points. Um and it would have been on the Cowboys to go down the field and win it. Yeah, um, I, just a couple of things that got completely lost in this due to the controversy of the, the end of that. Um C.D. Lamb, 13 catches, 227 yeah. yards, and a touchdown, including a 92-yard uh, reception there from Dak Prescott. Prescott was 26-38, 345, two touchdowns, one pick for a rating of 103.5. On the ground, Tony, Tony Pollard, 16-49. for 49. Um, On the other side, Jerry Goff, 19-34, 271 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Um, Jalen reeves Maben, one of one for 31 yards. Uh, mm -hmm. A fantastic play there from Detroit. Uh, on the ground, uh, David Montgomery, 14 carries for 65. Jameer Gibbs had 15 for 43. Uh, Montgomery also had a touchdown. And receiving, Amon Rassin Brown, six catches, 90 yards. Sam Laporte had seven for 84. So all of that got lost in the controversy of this game. But as you mentioned, Jake, huge, huge uh, playoff uh, implications to this one as the Lions fall to 11-5 and five and the Cowboys move up to 11 and 5. Um, we then move on, gentlemen, to the Atlanta Falcons and the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field in front of 61,752 fans. And this was no problem for the Bears. Uh, they took a 37 to 17 win, moving them up to 7 and 9, dropping the Falcons to 7 and 9. Um, and it didn't sound like it had much uh, implications, but it, it really did, particularly that NFC South, Jake, as we will discuss later, with the Falcons falling to 7 and 9 on that one. Some of the box 
box score, 10 of 29 for 160 yards and a touchdown, three picks for Taylor Heineke. Desmond Ritter came in through three for four, uh, sorry, Desmond Ritter um, was three of four for 17 yards in this game. Uh, rushing the ball, Bijan Robinson, 15 for 75. And the leading um, receiver was Drake London. He had four for 56 yards for Chicago. Justin Fields had himself a great game. 20 of 32, 268 yards, one touchdown. Um, he had a rating of 99.5. Khalil Herbert on the ground, 18 carries, 124 yards and a touchdown. Fields also ran for a touchdown, as did Roshon Johnson. And DJ Moore had himself a game, 9 for 159 yards and one touchdown. Um, Jake, the, the Falcons fall to 7-9 in this one. The Bears are up to 7-9. We know from other scores that have happened, and we will get to them, that the Bears are guaranteed the number one overall pick uh, in next year's draft. Or this year's draft. I keep saying next year. Um, <sighs> so, if you are the Bears GM, because we've been seeing it before, they're going to they're gonna draft, draft Caleb Williams, number one quarterback. He was all hyped up the past few months or such and such. Justin Fields has started to play very well and much more consistently you're the gm for the bears what are you thinking with this number one overall pick i'm thinking can i trade down can i get some more picks can i get some more players can i get another another dj more mm. um because you can kind of see the the rapport that him and dj more have, have put up uh, the fans are even on board they you know like i say they, they've won the game their defense has stepped up a lot mm -hmm. things are looking up and at the same time they've locked up the number one pick i mean it's a, a great scenario to be in the fans are chanting, we want fields. If you can trade back with a QB needy team, you know, even if you only trade back one or two slots, you still get someone like Marvin Harrison um, or an offensive lineman. You can help improve your team. I think that would be best for business. Um, that's what I would do. <laughs> and what do you think the Bears will do? They'll, they'll probably end up trading Justin yeah. Fields to the New York Giants. <laughs> surely, surely they're going to trade down. Fields, now I've been one of Fields' biggest detractors, and I've said he's, he's played some games where he has looked rotten, and he has. Over the past two years, he's played some games where you're like, this guy is just hopeless. He's looked much better recently. Much, much better. And as He's you got see, the fans on board, and I think that's the big the Fans big are on thing. board. Uh, DJ Moore, when they made the trade with Carolina, we said, you know, that's immediately the best receiver on uh, the Bears team. Cole Komet, the big tight end, is a, a fantastic out the target for him. They've got the running game going. If they can trade down to, you're right, third, fourth maybe, pick up Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and get, you know, another two picks, because this is the number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. See, for, ex for example, uh, don't worry, Dave, I'm going to get to you. For example, if they trade this to the Denver Broncos for a quarterback, telling you, telling you right now, the, the Broncos would give up another three years round picks just for that, considering what they already gave up for Russ and Sean Payton. Don't think we've got the capital to invest, unfortunately. Uh, but Dave, throw it over to you. The Atlanta Falcons, they fall to seven and nine. Uh, the qu quarterback position just looks horrendous just now in Atlanta. I thought Taylor Heineke would be better than he has looked. Um, I don't think he's been given a fair shake, a proper crack at it, you know, a, a few games in a row. Um, what do the Falcons do with quarterback position? Do you think they stick with either of these guys, or do you think they might be looking to get someone in the draft? Oh, I, I don't know about the draft, um, because I think, well, the last time they were in the draft for quarterback, it was Desmond Ridder, and that's worked out 
delightful of it quite clearly. Um, considering that Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter are kind of pushing each other onto the field. No, you go. No, you go. You go on. No, you go on. Just uh, it, it's, it's proper playground stuff at this stage. Um, what do the Falcons do? I think I, look at looking at what some of the, some of the more expert opinions are. There's going to be a good few quarterbacks going in the first couple rounds. Um, so I think maybe what they should do is go for one of the more experienced quarterbacks within uh, that are not going to be uh, favoured, shall we say, for starting next season. Um, so I, I think that that's what the route they should go. <coughs> Excuse me. I think they should. Um, Look at getting rid of one of these quarterbacks. Obviously, we love um, Taylor Heineke because he's so exciting. He just had one of the worst games of his entire life against the Bears uh, here. With the 10 of 29, it's just not okay. And then three picks as well to round it off. So um, it's not all... not. I, I mean, not many quarterbacks are going to get a rating of 26.1 and still be in contention to play next week. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one to watch out for. On the On the Bears question, though... I, I think they if they are going to trade down, which I I think they will as well, I don't think they should go past two or three. I, I think if they if they go to three, then they're risking not getting someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. Because that young man can really play. He is one of the most highly anticipated receivers to come out of the draft ever. Um and in in a long, long time. So yeah, I mean it's it's going to be fun at draft time, and I, like like you were saying though, the fans want fields. That uh, that's enough yeah. for me. That that should be enough for me. Um, I I think as far as the the other teams, um, currently as we know, Chicago is the first overall pick. Washington, New England, and Arizona are all sitting with a four and twelve record. Currently, Washington have the second pick. New England mm-hmm. have the third. Arizona have the fourth. I think of those teams, Arizona are the only ones who might not be looking at a quarterback. Oh, they mm-hmm. won't be. Yeah, Ky- Ky- uh, they've, you know, they've already... They want Kyler. Because Washington, Sam Howell, just... I like Sam Howell. Uh, he's, he's really fallen apart over the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, and... New England, I think, are just desperate for a quarterback just now. I, I really do. I think they're absolutely desperate. Um, but Arizona, I think they'll be looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. And they're currently sitting fourth. If they move, if they lose this week and move up to third or, or even second in the draft, um, then they they might go for Marvin Harrison straight off the bat. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. gentlemen, we are going to move on. We come to the aforementioned New England Patriots who travel to Highmark Stadium to take on the Buffalo Bills of 70,772 fans. Um, and the Bills come away with a 27-21 win. The Patriots gave them a real scare. A real scare in this game. But it wasn't to be. The Bills, uh, as I say, 27-21. They moved up to 10-6. and six, And as already mentioned, the Patriots fall to 4-12. and 12. Look at the box score. Bailey Zappi, 16-26, 209 yards, 3 interceptions. Uh, a rating of 47.3 on the ground. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 14 for 39, one touchdown. Zappi also had a touchdown run as well. Uh, receiving, their leading receiver was Mike Kosicki at four for 35. In the Buffalo side, Josh Allen, 15 of 30, 169 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, he did have a rush for 11, uh, 11 times for 44 yards, two touchdowns. James Cook was the leading rusher, 16 for 48. And receiving, uh, no surprise, well, I was going to say no 
surprises, uh, but I technically Dalton Kincaid was a leading receiver. Uh, four for 87. Stefan Diggs had four for 26. Um, with regards to this team, the Buffalo Bills, uh, Jake, I'll throw it over to you very quickly. They are 10 and 6. They're looking to try and win this week. What do you think? What do you think the Bills do in week 18? Do they look to rest players or do they look to uh, think, well, you know, we've got a playoff spot, we can rest some guys, or do you think they really want to just try and push as hard as they can? What do you think? I mean, it's it's there's not going to be a single player rested. They're playing the, the Dolphins. They've got a chance of winning the division. Uh, they've got a chance of being a wild card team. They also have a very slight chance of missing the playoffs completely. They are actually I didn't the most know that. I interesting wasn't... teams to watch next week. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're officially locked in. They could a team that could win the division enter the playoffs or be out of the playoffs all oh, right. last week in, so, in that case I'll change um, my question and say uh, obviously the Bills won't be resting any players so uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're playing Miami this well, week Jake what do you think about that one I think that one and it's been moved or it is the, the kind of the Sunday night game it's going to be a firecracker and I really hope Josh Allen um, kind of finds a bit of form he's been last couple of weeks a bit bit rough. Uh, he saw it 0-7 this week. His defense at one point, uh, well, uh, at that point, had two more completions than him. It's uh, You can get away with it in, in these kind of games. You will not get away with it next week. So he certainly needs to step up. And then for the Patriots, they had, I think, four first-half turnovers. They're minus 10 in turnover uh, differential. It's the first time in 17 years they're going to have a, a kind of negative differential in the, the turnover. So really does sum up that season uh it does dave um these these new england patriots bailey zappy looked awful again um and i I, another quarterback i look at i'm wrong on because when he came in i thought hey this kid looks pretty good although i did see he sort of tends to float passes now and again and it's really caught up to him the the, the defenders were all over uh, bailey zappy through this entire game do you think he's got a future with the patriots or do you think like we already mentioned they are going to uh, look for someone in the draft and Zappi uh, and Jones might be out the door. At least one of them's going out the door. Uh, I actually think it'll be Mac Jones. Uh, Bailey Zappi, I think, is quite... is. I think he's the Patriots version of Taylor Heineke um, because Taylor Heineke is very exciting. Uh, Bailey Zappi can be quite exciting. In this game, it was for the... It was the complete opposite uh, for that the Patriots were hoping in terms of exciting. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the the picks were bad. Um, and, you know, the rest of the team did play really well. When he was finding his receivers, he, you know, he, he, he was good. He, he, he was okay. I, I'm, I'll give him an A-plus for effort. That's the only A he's getting because he's getting an F for everything else. And, you know, the, it, it's very hard going up against the Bills. But when Josh Allen, who, in my opinion, played almost just as bad as Bailey Zappi in the majority of situations. The only difference was that he only had one pick in the game. So Josh Allen lacking consistency, Bailey Zappi awful, uh, but we still get a decent scoring game. But, you know, the, it, it's a turnover battle that was severely badly lost. Um, and Josh Allen also fumbled the ball a couple of times as well. So the uh, he needs to kind of get his head back in the game if he's got any chance or the Bills have any chance of beating the Dolphins next week. So do they draft a quarterback, the Patriots? Uh, most likely. But are they willing to go up to number one to get Caleb Williams? That That's going to be a big question because they're not known for making huge moves like that in recent years anyway, especially with uh, the present backroom 
staff, shall we say. Uh, but it's going to, again, it, it just adds to the excitement of what's going to happen in the draft because this draft is going to be one of the most kind of chess-esque uh, drafts of who's going to pick what and who's going where. And we love that. We like we like to have a little oh, yeah. bit of um, who's going to pick what and who's going to do it rather than knowing six months in advance who the number one guy is going to be and who's taking him. Uh, so we're going to move on to the Carolina Panthers at the Jacksonville Jaguars at Everbank Stadium uh-huh. in front of 67,233 <laughs> fans. And uh, this was a game of no contest. The Jacksonville Jaguars won some 26 to nothing. Um, it never looked like it was in doubt. Brandon McManus uh, opened the scoring uh, with a 35-yard field goal. That would have done it. That, that would have done it. That would have won them the game. Uh, but they went on and scored another 23 points. 26 nothing to the Jaguars. They move up to 9-7. and seven. The Panthers fall to 2-14. and 14. Um, On the offensive side of the ball, C.J. Beathard was 17 of 24 for 178 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. Um, Travis Etienne was 16 times for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Re- leading receiver was Evan Engram. He caught six passes for 60 yards on the other side of the ball. Bryce Young... 19 of 32, 112 yards. Uh, no touchdowns, one pick. He was sacked six times. Uh, Chubba Howard uh, ran 11 for 45. And their leading receiver, and this one was Adam Thielen. No surprises there. Six catches for 38 yards. Um, Dave, very quickly, Jacksonville Jaguars, they're 9 and 7. Okay. So they're looking um, sort of on the. They're running this division. It looks like, depending on what happens next week, um, they're tied with the Colts, tied with the Texans. Do, do, what do you think? Do you think they can win this division, or do you think it all falls apart? Because um, I, I like C.J. Beathard, but I don't know if I trust him to do it twice in a row. What do you reckon? I'm, I'm a lot thinking on uh, the same wavelength as yourself. The Titans are, what, 5-11, and 11, so they've had an awful season. Um I'd expect big changes there uh, in the offseason coming. But the Jaguars, I mean, it's in their hands, isn't it? They just they, they have to win out. But as we've seen, the Jaguars towards the end of this season have been awful. Uh, they have not been good whatsoever. Trevor Lawrence was terrible. Um, CJ Beathard, I mean, he's a, he's a good backup. But Tennessee are not uh, the Panthers. So... I think it's going to be really, really close. You know, you. I, I mean, they're they're facing the the most the, the kind of obviously with respect the weakest team in the left in the division. I'm tipping them to narrowly get it. Yeah, now to narrowly win out. Uh, I say win out. There's one game left, so to win that one game and uh, win the division, so they'll they'll get uh, home field advantage for their next game, but. I think they're going to make it difficult for themselves. And I'm sorry, Patrick, but if you have any health conditions, please consult your local GP. Um, Jake, uh, just very quickly, regards to the Panthers, we've, we've already already spoken about them. They're, they're 2-14. and 14. They gave up an absolute boatload to get Bryce Young. Um, they don't have a pick in the first round coming in. What Do you think... I, I think they, they should stick with Bryce Young for another year to see how it goes. But... The boy's been pretty bad all year long and, you know, didn't show anything in this game. I seriously doubt he'll show anything in the next game. What do you think's the future for this uh, Panthers team? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not a, a Bryce Young fan in terms of what I've seen, but I think it would be incredibly harsh if they tried to move on, and I don't think they, they could anyway, given the kind of circumstance they've put themselves mm-hmm. in. 0-9 uh, on the road. Uh, normally, when you're the worst team, at least you have, OK, we've the number one pick. Well, they've, like I said, we've, they've covered that for, for the Bears, so they're really in a, a kind of sticky situation, and their owner has with the departure of Dan Snyder has decided to take over the wheel of being the worst owner and the most, like idiotic person going so making very bad decisions on the field making very bad decisions off the field and making very interesting decisions at uh, opponent stadiums where he's throwing drinks over hard paying fans i mean just seems like an absolute d-bag he does. I think he's been fined somewhere in the region of $300,000 for that, um, throw, throwing a drink at an opposing fan. <laughs> you're the owner. What are you doing? You uh-huh. pay other people to do that. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> listen, depending, I know we keep going on, I know I keep going on about this, but depending what happens in this year's draft, this trade by the Bears looks incredible. Absolutely. Giving up that first round pick. To, to the Panthers, standard look really good. And depending on what happens in this year's, that could go down as one of the, the most savvy trades in recent years. Uh, but we are going to move on, gentlemen. And we come to the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium for the 65,538 fans. And the Indianapolis Colts prevailed in this order of the 23 to 20 win. Uh, it was actually 23 to 13, but Devontae Adams caught a one yard pass from Aiden O'Connell with 43 seconds to go um, to make it 23 20, but they were unable to convert the onside kick. Um, so. The Indianapolis Colts, looking at these guys, Gardner Minshew, 15-23, 224 yards, one touchdown, rating of 111.5. Jonathan Taylor went 21 for 96 and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, leading receiver on the team was Michael Pittman Jr. He went 5 for 46. On the other side, Aidan O'Connell, 30 of 47, 299 yards, two touchdowns for a 96 rating. Um, Zamir White was the leading rusher. No Josh Jacobs again, 20 for 71. Um, and then their leading receiver was Devontae Adams. No surprises there. He had 13 catches, 126 yards, two touchdowns. Jacobs wrote over to you quickly. The Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. They, I'm not sure if Josh Jacobs is due back this week, uh, or if they're just keeping him out for the, the final game anyway. Uh, Raiders are well out of it. But what are you, if you're the GM of the, I'm going to keep doing this, you're the GM of the Raiders now. <laughs> what are you doing at the, the old quarterback position there? You've got Aiden O'Connell in there, Jimmy G. Uh, what do you do? Do you trade one of these guys? Do you hang on to one of them? Do you try and clear house? What do you think about the Raiders? I think the more important or more interesting thing for me is what you do at the head coach. Um, because then what you do at the head coach will influence what you do at the quarterback. And Antonio Perez has obviously took over in that interim basis, put together a few wins, a few good kind of victories. I think it's four and four, I think. But to me, it was very odd. He seems to be getting very conservative all of a sudden. They had four punts in the Colts' half, losing and facing elimination. This game was basically win to stay in. Uh, and the three of those punts were in the second half where they're losing by you know multiple scores and you're punting in the opposition half. It's just, that's not a way to kind of win a job. And if you're an interim coach, what have you got to lose? Um, so I really don't kind of understand that. 
I don't mind Ian O'Connell. I'm glad they went in the direction of him. Um, I mean, Devontae Adams, you mentioned 1,326, two touchdowns, 21 targets. It was just Devontae Adams is down there somewhere. It was just pure throw it and hope Devontae comes up with it, which, you know, not the worst game plan in the world. Um, and then for the Colts, three-game home winning streak, uh, winning the in next week. They got a, a mistake-free Gardner Minshew and a season-high 96 yards from Jonathan Taylor, so kind of getting hot at the good time. Yeah, Dave, it's good to see Jonathan Taylor coming back there, and as Jake mentioned, uh, win and they're in for the Colts. What do you think? Uh, it's it's a game with everything on the line for the entire season uh, with the Colts, it's Colts-Texans, isn't it? So that's going to be... Well, I mean, one of them's going to get at least a playoff, uh, depending on what happens with, with the Jags, but... Um, yeah, I I think that the Colts can do it. I I, I see it be incredibly exciting if CJ Stroud does it uh, for the Texans. But uh, I mean, Jake loves the Texans. We kind of like Gardner Minshew, or you like Gardner Minshew, Neil, so very much so. Yes. In this game, he did everything he needed to do. Uh, Aiden O'Connell was okay. Uh, he, he managed to complete a pass this week, so that's a good thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> as opposed to previously when uh, he just didn't like throwing to his own receivers whatsoever. But yeah, Devontae Adams. I, I mean, I, I'm guessing they had a game plan. They didn't. They had Plan A, which was good. Devontae Adams had nothing else. Uh, so I think that kind of cost them a, a, a lot in the game. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the Colts might actually do it. I think if Jonathan Taylor turns up. Texans are in trouble. Um, they, they might be, but we'll wait and see what happens in that one. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to move on to the Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field in front of 69,879 fans. Who watched with 24 seconds to go in the first half? Julio Jones. Yes, that Julio Jones. Catch his second touchdown pass of the half to put the Eagles up 21-6. to six, And this game is over except there's another half to play and the Arizona Cardinals came back and scored 29 points in the second half to win this game 35-31 they were losing 31-28 with um, 36 seconds to go when James Conner had a two yard rush and Matt Preeter kicked the extra point to make it there four minutes of 35-31 Jake McGee I don't know if you saw any of this game. Um, it was utterly, utterly bizarre. Um, what did you think? Yeah, it was one of the ones I was watching on Red Zone. And I'm not going to lie, when they scored uh, one of the first touchdowns to Jones, I was like, who is Jones on the Eagles? Oh, I forgot Julio Jones plays for the Eagles. Yeah, um, But certainly, you, you get to half-time, okay, I can take that one off, don't need to worry about that game. And then all of a sudden... Here they come, and twenty, like I say, twenty-nine points in the second half, seventeen, um, well, seventeen or more points in three straight games. The Eagles have let up in the second half. The defense just seems to have absolutely disappeared. Their front seven just have stopped being their their, their front seven uh, ever since Matt Patricia took over. Who could have foresaw that? No, uh, very interesting kind of ins and outs going on at the Eagles. I think we covered it last time I was on talking about kind of the, what's going on with, with Philadelphia at the moment, kind of the, the weird vibe going around them. And it's, it's, it is, it's horrible. And 
Jonathan Gannon, the former um, coordinator for the Eagles, went on to, to get his revenge back in Philly. And we just talked about the Colts and Shane Steichen, both former Eagles coordinators, doing great as head coaches. And I think the Eagles really are missing them. For me, I mean, it wasn't even particularly close. If you look at the box score and kind of the stats, the Cardinals had 32 first downs to 17. They had 449 yards to 275. They, they deserved to win this game. They kept fighting. And that's what we've said about the Cardinals all year. No matter kind of how bad or what situation they've been in, they've, they've certainly not stopped playing. Yeah, and, and Dave, at, at halftime, as I say, the Eagles are winning this one 21 to 6. By that point, the Cardinals had like three quarters of the possession in this game. Uh, and, and they were losing by 15 points. A um, couple of the, the box scores. That's Jake mentioned the box score here. Kyler Murray, 25 for 31, 232 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. James Conner went 26 for 128 yards and a touchdown. Uh, leading receiver was uh, Greg Dorty at 7 for 82. A uh, couple of touchdowns, um, one James Conner had a receiving touchdown, one by Michael Carter and one by Michael Wilson as well. On the other side, Jalen Hurts, 18 of 23 for 167 yards. He did have three scores, through one interception. Uh, rushing the ball, DeAndre Swift went 13 for 61. And their leading receiver on the day was Dallas Goddard. He had five for 47 and a touchdown, two touchdowns for the aforementioned future Hall of Famer, Julio Jones. But Dave... The, the Cardinals absolutely deserve to win this game. And it's it's a surprise that they won because you wouldn't have sort of betting them before the game, but they absolutely deserved it. And this game was a lot closer than it actually should have been. What do you think? Yes, it definitely was a lot closer than it should have been. Uh, I mean, but Kyler was... That, that's one of the best games I've ever seen Kyler play. Um, you know, aside from that one pick that he had... He was he was brilliant, absolutely fantastic, which is painful to for me to say about a divisional rival. But I mean, maybe not this year their rival. But um, yeah, I I think uh, the Eagles are in serious trouble now because they entered December as ten and one, and now they're eleven and five coming up to the playoff time, and their chances of winning of being the number one seed in the NFC are vanished now they are done uh they're on the verge of being the fifth seed in the league because the cowboys have the head-to-head so that's going to be fun um yeah the eagles are in serious well, the good trouble. news is the good, the good news is despite all that the fifth seed means they'll play probably the books so they'll <laughs> probably win at least one playoff game do you know what? But then, yeah, later on, you, having to go on the road. I'm, I'm going to make a bold prediction. Go for it. I think if if the Eagles and the Bucks play, the Bucks win. I'm I, caught. I'm I'm saying it now. I, I, I don't you know think what? that's a stretch. There's a, it's not a huge bold prediction because right now the Eagles are not looking like a, any kind of unified team at all. But I did see something on social media this week that some a couple of the senior players have said that there is one person that seems to be splitting the dressing room, and it's not Jalen Hurts, it's AJ Brown that is causing a lot of the disruption. 
Yeah, uh, in the I, dressing room. I, I did hear that. Uh, there seems to be some issues with AJ Brown there. Uh, Philadelphia, we'll see what happens this week and whether or not they actually, uh, where they end up, uh, what seed they end up with uh, with the playoffs there. Um, mm. We then come to the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans at NRG Stadium in front of 71,517 fans. And a welcome back, CJ Stroud as the Texans easily dealt with the Titans 26-3. This game was never in doubt. Um, CJ Stroud, 24-32, yards, one touchdown, rating of 102.7. Devin Singletary went 16 for 80 on the ground. Uh, the leading receiver was Nico Collins. So he got seven catches for 80. On the other side, Ryan Tannehill did Ryan Tannehill things. 16 of 20 for 168 <laughs> yards. Uh, Will Levis was two of six for 16 yards. Um... Running the ball, Derrick Henry, 12 for 42. And their leading receiver was DeAndre Hopkins, 7 catches, 72 yards. The Titans suck. They are so bad to watch, it's horrendous. Uh, but Jake, you Houston Texans, 9-7. and seven, We already mentioned it. Tied to the Colts, tied to the Jags. Can they do it? What do you reckon? Well, I told you. I've told everybody about them all year. CJ Stroud is back. They now have a chance to even win the division if everything goes their way. Um, sneak into the playoffs. They may, they, you know, even if they lose next week and they don't even make the playoffs at all, I still think there's been a good, a good year for them. Um, Will Anderson had two more sacks. He set the franchise rookie record for sacks. I think it's all good news. Uh, Sean Rankins with the, the big man touchdown scoop and score, which was lovely to see. And then for the Titans, if memory kind of serves they kind of plummeted at the end of last year as well so i think if my numbers are right they are five and 18 in the last 23 and that's that's really hard as a head coach to survive that it is very hard to survive that that's not the kind of record that you want to be looking at uh dave sorry talk about the titans (laughs) no one wants to talk about the titans um What what are they going to do? The, the the quarterback position in in Tennessee might be the most dire position in the entire NFL. I can't think of a single player who would want that that quarterback job in Tennessee. It's just not conducive to good quarterback play. the The way the plays are called uh, isn't conducive to good quarterback play, and they just don't have very good quarterbacks. What hope is that going forward for the Tennessee Titans? Uh, yeah, no, there isn't. Uh, that pretty much not. wraps uh, it up <laughs> as far as the Titans go. Well, I, I did. I, I was going to say though. I, I, I think uh, they've kind of. I think they've hurt their future prospects with Will Levis because of them just binning him. Because I think they've thrown him to the wolves a lot. They've he's got no offensive line. Um, and like I said, the play calling has been very, very rubbish I'm, I'm trying to think of a polite word there but rubbish is the best i can come up with um yeah i mean they can't utilize derrick henry uh Tannehill is Tannehill. um he didn't look terrible in this game but you know so he, he just wasn't what well, much uh, i think it's, it's as nice as i can say i don't even know what to say about it that's all right well, I, Levis, I i won't i won't press you on no, that Levis, Levis, Levis came in uh not only was he sacked but he was two of six for 16 yards so he could do absolutely nothing as well so yeah i think the t- titans complete uh re restart and uh yeah let, let, let's just reformat the whole of tennessee in the nfl 
Yeah. Um, going from uh, one of the worst teams to watch in the NFL to one of, if not two of, the best. The Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium in front of 71,196 fans. And oh my word, this was a doozy. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, who last week put the beat down on the San Francisco 49ers, basically went to number one in everyone's power rankings, dropped off. 50 bodyguard on the Dolphins, 56 to 19 to move up to 13 and 3, clinch the number one overall spot uh, in the AFC. They get the first round by, knock the Dolphins down to 11 and 5, set up the aforementioned uh, shootout with the Buffalo Bills happening this week. Looking at the box score, though, my word. Um, mm. Lamar Jackson, 18 of 21, 321 yards, 5 touchdowns more touchdowns than incompletions for a rating of 158.3 and just to rub salt into the wounds tyler (laughs) huntley comes in goes one of one for 19 yards and a touchdown for a rating of 158.3 i don't know if that's a random stat i don't know if that's ever happened before where two quarterbacks have had a perfect passer rating uh, in the same game for the same team. Uh, rushing the ball, Gus Edwards, 16 for 68 and a touchdown. Melvin Gordon also scored a touchdown, so I don't know what year this is. Julio Jones and Melvin Gordon are scoring touchdowns. Um, receiving Zay Flowers, three catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. The actual leading receiver was Justice Hill, five for 64 and a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, two I went, 22 of 38, two, three, seven yards. Um, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, running the ball, Devon Achan, 14 for 147. And the leading receiver, no surprises here, Tyree Kill, six catches, 76 yards. But they had no chance of slowing down this Baltimore Ravens uh, offense. And Bradley Chubb went down injured. Not what they want to see going into the playoffs. Jake, I'll throw this one over to you. This was one heck of a game. It was, and it was a very costly game for the Dolphins because, as you mentioned, uh, dropped them down a little bit. Next week, they are in a huge game. Lost uh, Bradley Chubb. Saving Howard went down as well. It's just uh, all kind of going wrong at that, the wrong kind of time. It's just not ideal. And they're not for the Ravens. They are just the class of the NFC. Um, I think Lamar's kind of wrapped up the MVP. Um, kind of Miami, I think they had the, the number one scoring defense and yards per game. And then since week six, they've been the worst. Oh, oh they've certainly massive yeah. drop off, and a lot of that has been to do with with injuries and things like that. But you don't want to be losing players like that at this stage of the game, especially when the game's kind of been and gone. Uh, you were getting kind of beat down, and then Bradley Chubb goes down. It just really does kind of rub salt in the wound. It does. Now, Dave, uh, talking about these Ravens, uh, mm. b- before we started the podcast. Um, Jake and I were discussing this. The Ravens are playing the Steelers in week 18. Okay. Now, if the Steelers win, and I think if the Dolphins win, I'm not sure it is, then the Steelers are in the playoffs. Okay. Now, Mm. as we know, Baltimore, big division rival of the Steelers, they don't want the Steelers to get in. However, They also do not want Lamar to get injured by playing him in a game where they've already wrapped up the number one seed in the first round by. Okay, I'm just saying Lamar. They don't want anyone getting injured. But they also don't want the Steelers getting in. The last time they had the number one seed was in 2019. 
when mm-hmm. Lamar was MVP. They rested all the players in the final game of the season and then got beaten up by the Titans in the playoffs in the divisional round because they rested the guys. What do you do? What do, the, what do the Ravens do? Do they play their starters at the risk of injury just to beat the Steelers? Or do they rest them and risk being let? I hate to use the word rusty, but that's the word that everyone uses. Rusty, come the divisional round. Because if if they do rest the players and they go to the divisional round and lose, then they're going to say they should have played them in week 18. However, if Lamar or anyone, Zay Flowers, Gus Edwards, gets injured in this game, the fans will be screaming for blood. What do the Ravens do? They rest Lamar. I, 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 it's, it's, it's not. A, I don't think that should even be a debate. They rest Lamar. They rest their main players, their main guys. Um, because if you risk one of them getting injured, you have z- you, you. I mean, well, if you risk Lamar anyway, you, you're done. Your season's done. Uh, Huntley, you know, I'm, I'm not being disrespectful to him. He is not Lamar Jackson. He's the same kind of. You know, he's a, he's a quick quarterback. He can run, but he's not Lamar Jackson. And yet, yeah, the, the the Ravens are they have every right to uh, rest every single one of their players if they want to. Um, they, they it's gonna, not going to affect them either way. They, I, I genuinely think they just they rest all their guys. That's a smart thing to do. I don't think there's going to be any rust. You know, we we have a we have the bye week. You know that it's a good rest week. That's what that's what they need. So I I think yeah, rest every single one of your guys. Get the entire practice squad out there for all I care. But rest <laughs> rest the guys that you want. Um. Okay. Well, the thing is that if they, so, I'm just throwing this out there. If they do rest all the players, and the Steelers win, and the Dolphins win, and the Steelers get into the playoffs, and then the Steelers win a wild card game, they're going to Baltimore. Just food for thought. Just thought I would put it out there. Uh, But we're not going to Baltimore, gentlemen. We're going to Tampa Bay, where the New Orleans Saints are taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium in front of 65,741 fans. And Jake McGee, your New Orleans Saints, did it. They went in, took care of their business, 23-13 against the Bucs. They move up to 8-8, Bucs fall to 8-8. It's all to play for in the NFC South, Jake. Why don't you tell us all about it? Yeah, it's uh, one of the games that did not go the way you would expect it to. And I wasn't on the podcast last week, but I'll tell you for sure, I picked the Bucks and my Pickums because all the Bucks had to do was win and they had the division sealed. They could have rested starters um, this week. Uh, it was, if you look at the two teams and you look at the body language and you certainly look at the game, you would think it was the other way around. The Saints were really up for it. They were really kind of hyped for it. They were fighting uh, for each other, the books could not have looked less interested. It was very concerning, very strange. Um, I don't know if there's reasons for it. Maybe they took it for granted, but uh, yeah, the books just didn't turn up. I mean, straight away, the Saints got their first opening drive touchdown of the entire year. Um, so that alone, straight away, I was like, okay, well, something's a bit funky uh, because the Saints don't do that. We, we don't score touchdowns. Um, the uh, for the Buccaneers, we kind of looked like we were going to shoot ourselves in the foot. They had a third and nine, uh, had Mayfield wrapped up deep, and then someone came in and pulled a face mask, extended the drive. Uh, they had a third and 15, where there's defensive illegal contact, and it just looked like the defense couldn't get off the field. 
And I was thinking, okay, here we go. Back to reality. We've got, got an opening touchdown, but we're back to reality here. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, but ends in Alante Taylor um, getting an interception right near the end zone. Uh, were fantastic. And then it looked like the Saints were going to be in trouble because it was right on the end zone. So they were backed right up. But a lovely throw and a sensational catch from John Johnson, who had a big game. And all of a sudden, the Saints were rolling. A uh, big touchdown to Taysom Hill. Uh, after the two-minute warning, it's 14 to nothing. Uh, Zach Bourne, again, I mentioned a few weeks ago, we played him at linebacker for years for no reason, even though he was an edge rusher. Played him at edge rusher, guess what? Got another sack. Uh, set up a sh- short field for a field goal. Um, shout out to the Jakes. Jake Kamada plays for the books, but he's, I feel like he was helping me out because he had back-to-back awful punts for the books. Um, lead into that good kind of field position. So half time it's seventeen to nothing, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? This is not how this was supposed to go. Um, and it didn't really get much better for the books. The scoreline, I think, kind of flatters them because uh, Demario Davis recovered a fumble after Jonathan Abram, uh, who had an absolutely fantastic game, forced it. Um, Jonathan Abram then got an interception in the fourth, and it was twenty to nothing before Trey Palmer had a touchdown with seven fifty left. He then went from hero to zero because he got a 62-yard catch that the ground fumbled for him. He he was completely untouched, fell over, dropped the ball, so the ground caused a fumble. Um, that was pretty much all she wrote. Godwin got a touchdown with a minute 37 left. They Adebo had a, an inception on the two-point conversion, 23-13, to 13, recovered the onside kick. And the Saints live another week, and this was, uh, in a way, my worst night. We've started playing good football, which is nice to see. Derek Carr's been a lot better, um, but we're most likely saving Dennis Allen's job. Um, and we could win next week and still not be in the playoffs. We need need a lot of help next week. The, the scenarios are as such. The Saints win and the Bucks lose to the Panthers, which, well, if that happens, really <laughs> have to question what goes on in Tampa Bay. Um, they would win the, the NFC South. Uh, other than that, the Saints would need to win and have the Packers and Seahawks lose, which is a big, big ask. So there, there is every likelihood that even if the Saints win next week, they do not make the playoffs, but at least they are playing better football. That is that. Uh, Dave, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jake's already mentioned it. What's going on with this team? Like That was a, that was a terrible game. They've looked pretty good the past few weeks, and this just... They, they just seem to collapse in on themselves. Baker Mayfield did not look himself at all. Dave's words of the podcast, consistency. And the Bucks are basically uh, the opposite of consistent because they when they when they look amazing like they have done for a couple of weeks and then they go and do this, I mean, they just don't need none of none of the teams in that division deserve to be in the playoffs, but we have to have one, I suppose. Uh, uh, obviously we're rooting for the Saints but I, I have a horrible feeling that it's going to be the Bucks. and um, yeah I mean the, probably less said about this game uh, the better for both teams because uh, a lot of Saints fans didn't want them to win for obvious reasons with uh, Allen but uh, yeah the Bucks just kind of I think the, the script writers are they're trying too hard uh, with this division because they're ma- they're making it more torturous for every single one of these teams uh, than it needs to be. The but they, they the Bucks just didn't look like they wanted to win the game whatsoever. Uh, not even even though they they had two scores. 
Um, they just they still didn't want look like they wanted to win a game. So, uh, yeah, I, I think for both teams, Jake's health. Um, we'll probably should probably move on quite quickly because uh, I think what's probably going to happen is that there's going to be a, a, a close game or two, uh, and just going to give us Saints just that little bit of hope before taking it away right at the end. And speaking of close games, gentlemen, we're going to move on to the Los Angeles Rams and the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium in front of 75,517 fans. And the Rams won this game 26-25 because Tyrod Taylor couldn't complete a pass to Saquon Barkley. And then couldn't complete a pass to Saquon Barkley. (laughs) It was bizarre. Uh, The Rams won this on 26-25. Gunnar Olszewski caught... uh, Oh, I beg your pardon, sorry. Uh, had a 94-yard punt return uh, with 3.27 to go in the game. Um, and they attempted the two-point conversion. And Tyler Taylor could have walked it in, but he attempted to throw the pass to Saquon, threw it a yard and a half behind him. Saquon dropped it, um, which meant that the Rams were still up by a point. But they stopped the Rams to get the ball back. And then on fourth down, he's got Saquon wide open and Saquon drops the ball and again it was slightly behind him but he drops the ball um Rams hold on Dave this was your game um how's your heart after this one is it okay I just I uh, no um (laughs) it's a kind of short answer here but um all I can say is that this game just one person to kick the at the important times would be nice uh Lucas Haversick uh, I, I mean, I do, there's. I'm running out of. Uh, I mean, hopefully, surely they get anyone. I mean, they they're they they've actually come now, uh, and Brett Meyer is returning, uh, which I mean, it's. it's <laughs> I, I mean, it's just which do you want slapped in the left hand side of your face or the right hand side? Is it, well, one's one's terrible, one's a little bit less terrible, uh, but in this game, I, I, the Rams should have had this sewn up long before the end and yet for some reason they just want to let the Giants play and the Giants just didn't want to win the game uh, and then Mason Crosby had a chance to win it right at the end which would have just absolutely crushed me um, it would have been a very bad way to end 2023 but we ha- we hung on through sheer luck I think it's, <laughs> it's pretty much just Tyrod Taylor just not making any decent decision uh, Saquon Barkley, I, I mean, it wasn't his fault the way those balls were thrown. I think Tyron Taylor just made really terrible decisions, and the Giants are probably looking for our new quarterback again. Because, well, I mean, they're going to be stuck with Daniel Jones, I think, with, with that horrific contract. Nobody is taking on that contract. Uh, let's be completely honest. I mean, the only team that I think would make it quite fun to have Daniel Jones at quarterback would be the Patriots. I think we, we all love the Patriots, so I think they should definitely trade it the world for Daniel Jones, uh, just to make it quite amusing. Uh, I mean, Pukunakua, he's just making the case for Offensive Rookie of the Year more and more and more. Another 100-yard game, and that play, that one special play in the game, which... He was just denied a touchdown. He deserved a touchdown. He was so close until he was knocked out of bounds right at the end uh, for an 80-yard reception. It was brilliant. Kevin Williams was just very consistent. Matthew Stafford was 
decent except from two picks. So I, I, we'll, I want to gloss over them because that we, 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 I don't want to talk about them. They yeah, that, that, that's how we do analysis in the WinFL. That's, that's very much so because <laughs> it, it's more of a health concern than anything else. Because if, we, if we only talked about the things our teams did well, this would be the shortest podcast of all time. Well, maybe if we do, yeah, if we do, yeah, okay, well, yeah, all right, granted. The, the reason granted. this thing is like two hours long is because we talk about all the bad stuff our teams did, okay? That's that's why it takes so long to do this podcast. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say about it. We just kept letting them back in, and that, that was one of the methods that we kept letting them back in. And, you know, there, there was other things that happened in the game as well. Uh so, well, I, I, I mean, coming into the game, we had Bobby Brown, uh, who was, a, he's our no tackle. He, he's been very, I'm glad very you said that because I was thinking, what, you know, Whitney Houston's ex husband? What? <laughs> no, not that Bobby Brown. I think he's Bobby Brown the third. I don't want it, or the fourth. He's, he's a number as well. So <laughs> he's just, he's Bobby Brown number. Uh, it's about, he, he went down, he didn't come back, and he's, he's been coming on very, very well towards the end of uh, the season. Uh, Alaric Jackson was inactive for personal reasons. I don't know the details of that. Um, but my takeaway from this game, the Rams are in the playoffs. Now, do we rest players against the 49ers? That is, that is what Rams Twitter is about right now. I say no, because we're up against the 49ers for starters. And two, we want the sixth seed. We don't want the seventh seed. Because we're going to be up against either what's most likely going to be the Cowboys or the Eagles. I'd rather have neither of them. I'd rather take on the Lions. It's going to be the most exciting game ever. And it's the 49ers. I'm just going to repeat that. It is the 49ers. We do not rest players against the 49ers. We don't like the 49ers. And that is that. I know what I said about the Ravens and the Steelers. Blah, blah, blah. That's in the past. Anyway, so we're not going to rest players. <laughs> the, the contradictions <laughs> are... <laughs> I've, I've got bad news for you. Matthew Stafford will not be playing this game. Oh. Carson Wentz is your quarterback. So the the good news is the 49ers are also resting players. It's going to be a match not to watch because it's going to be <laughs> so, some guys you've never heard of. And Listen, Carson Wentz. the 49ers are putting the ball boys out there. I mean, they're not going to play <laughs> anyone in this game, Dave. So if your backups can't win it, you're going up. Honestly, you're going up against the 49ers practice squad. You are. That's who you're playing in this game. So if your backups can't win it for you, then you've got no chance. Uh, but the Rams have been playing well. I think this game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Jake, I mean. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Jake, what, what, what did you think of this? Um, the Giants are so close. It was, it was heartbreak for me because the Rams beat the Saints of our own demise, which meant they had the, the tiebreaker of us, which is why they are locked in. Um, so Mason Crosby is not on my Christmas list. Uh, the Rams special teams just absolutely stink. Uh, yep. Two missed extra points. Uh, let up obviously that huge punt return. I've mentioned it before. This was one of the worst coach games I've ever seen. And Sean McVay, I mean, what are you doing? He, I, You can get away with a lot when you're good-looking and you are seemingly smart, but this guy is annoying me. He's really, really bad at time management and decisions. Um, up seven, you've already missed an extra point. If you go for two, it makes it nine points, two-score uh, two game. Nope, goes for uh, another extra point, misses it. I mean... 
your kicker sucks as it is, and the analytics would say go for two to make it a two-score game, but he does neither. Um, and then for the Giants, they scored a touchdown and an extra point, but then they had a penalty, and then they take the extra point off and go for two and miss it. It's like, you literally are taking points off yourself. It, and then it, that wasn't even the worst thing that happened in this game. The Giants spike the ball with 42 seconds left, which I don't love because you give away a down. Mm. And then on second and 10, they run for minus two yards. And yeah. you're thinking, what are you doing? Now you've got to burn a timeout. Don't worry, Sean McVale called a timeout for you. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> this man is stupid. Yeah, there was some utterly bizarre decisions in this game. There really was. Offensive that, that, that... genius. He's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wonderful! That's... I I have no rebuttal. I I can't. I can't have. A, I, well, you, I can't, you can't. You I can't, can't have one. No, I can't say the words that I said at the time. Um, but uh, you know, sometimes you have memory issues that uh, you'd like to quite very quickly gloss over and forget. And I, to be honest, this entire game I'd quite like to forget. Apart from Bukunakura's play, um, I'd like to highlight. But at the same time, McVeigh all season. Uh, how many times have I, have I said it this season? His his time management. Uh, look look at the game of the Steelers. Steelers. It, it that's a perfect one because he had no timeouts coming into towards the two minute warning in a really close game. We would have won the challenge. Uh, we would have got the ball back, and we could have gone gone down the other end, and we were giving ourselves a chance. However, McVeigh's time management rivals a certain head coach from last season uh, who had to hire someone. <laughs> to to actually time manage for him, uh, so Dave, we might want Dave, to. Right, right, right. Let's let's not <laughs> let's let's not gloss over how bad it was for Mister H over in Denver. Okay, because not only that, do you, I don't know if you remember the fans counting down the play clock <laughs> because they couldn't see you know the the eight foot clock that's at either end mm. telling them how many seconds are left and Hackett's still trying to get a play in with 10 seconds to go and Russell Wilson's going I can't hear you <laughs> the microphone's been turned off what are you doing you know what do you know what we should do though? Well, I, I, after after next week, what we should do when we've got our kind of end of season awards for the regular season, we should introduce a new award where we have the coach with the worst clock management in the league. Because I think there's gonna I think there's gonna be two contenders. Sean McVeigh is gonna be one. I'm gonna nominate Doug Peterson because he has had some awful ones as well towards the end of the half uh, with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know. Uh, shall we say, trying to coach Trevor Lawrence and failing horrifically as well. But maybe Bunk Bay might win that one. Uh, That's a yeah, very specific actually, award. Do you know what? Like I'm really going full specific. circle. I'm, go- I'm going full circle. Maybe we shouldn't have that award thinking about it <laughs> after <laughs> five seconds. What is going on here? I have no idea. Uh, General, yeah. why don't we move on? Please. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to a game that had virtually no meaning whatsoever. The San Francisco 49ers and the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field in front of 64,424 fans. No surprises. 49ers absolutely creamed them 27 to 10. Uh, 49ers are 12 and 4. Commanders fall to 4 and 12. Looking at the box score here, Brock Party, 22 out of 28, 230 yards, two touchdowns, uh, rating of 124.7. Uh, on the ground, um, Elijah Mitchell was actually the leading rusher for the 49ers because Christian McCaffrey went 
out um, midway through the third quarter, I think it was, or beginning of the third quarter. Um, 17 carries for 80 yards and touchdown for Elijah Mitchell. McCaffrey was 14 for 64. Um, through the year, Brandon Ayuk, seven catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. On the other side, Sam Howell didn't look great. 17 to 28, 169 yards, one touchdown, two picks. On the ground, uh, Brian Robinson Jr. went nine for 44. And the leading receiver on the team was Terry McLaurin, four catches, 61 yards and a touchdown. This game was never close. It wasn't even interesting. Uh, Jake, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Um, not particularly. I thought this was one we would very easily gloss over. And obviously, I looked in the number number one. McCaffrey went out with a calf. He's already been confirmed to, to sit next week. There's no point risking or aggravating it. And I believe, and I, I don't want to get this wrong, um, but I believe Brock Purdy set the record for a single season uh, passer with the 49ers. And they've never had a good quarterback ever in their history. So if that is true, which I, I don't know if it 100% is, but if that is true, that would be quite the stat to have, you know. Well, do you know what? Why don't quarterbacks you, of past and present. Why don't you wait for literally 10 seconds and <laughs> I will tell you. Uh, because, as you mentioned, the, the 49ers, <clears throat> yeah, they've, they've never had many good quarterbacks in their history, you know. Not something they've ever had. So if we look up the quarterback rating, uh, and then we'll find players who played full seasons. Uh, Brock Purdy has the highest rating in 49ers quarterback history of 111.4 for the season. They've not had any. No, no competition. That, it, that it, It's just, it's it's actually daft. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. I, that, was, that was through career. I beg your pardon. That was through career. Um, his uh, rating for the season, uh, I will bring it back up here, anyone who played a full season, Brockport, yeah, 113.0 is, is the highest. It beat uh, Steve Young's 1994 MVP season, where he had 112.8, and beat Joe Montana's MVPs in 1989, where he had 112.4. So, um, Montana in 89, Young in 94, both won MVP, Brock Purdy. Uh, likely won't win MVP after this week, um, but yeah, highest rating of all time for a 49ers quarterback. And uh, he just, he's had an incredible, incredible year. Uh, also, he's thrown more yards than any quarterback in 49ers history in a season, 4,280 yards. Uh, once again, outgunning two Hall of Fame players. Um, hang on a second. Before I pass it over to Dave, I uh, have here in my possession the uh, Brock Party <laughs> Hype Train Whistle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Dave, what do you want to talk about? Fort Niners or Commanders? I don't care. <laughs> Neither? Uh, That's fine. Neither. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty, well, pretty much. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, let's move on. Okay. Yeah, we can move on. We can move on. The, the, the only thing, the one, I did want to bring up one point, though. Um, what on earth do the commanders do from here? Like, backroom staff, draft, uh, free agents. I mean, they kind of sold. Well, they didn't, obviously didn't sell. They traded uh, Chase. They traded Montez Sweat. They have a questionable quarterback. They, they've got Scary Terry. Do they trade him for a big load of draft picks? No, I no, mean, no, they don't. They don't. No, they should, but they, I mean, what are they? They, knowing what the commanders have, have been like over the last few years, 
that's an entire that's a that's a possibility. Well, I mean, it is, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't trade McLaurin. They should uh, just try and get a quarterback in the draft. How I he scored know, he scored their touchdown in this game, didn't he? He was he did. I, I think it, it yes. was a, it was a man, one one on one, and it was a very good. Uh, but it was good coverage as well, but he still managed to. He's pull just that in, not so. been consistent at all. Like there's been no consistency from him. And you think it's to it's to him though the throws to him the plays around it because I think that might have something to do with it as well. Oh, sorry, you mean McLaurin? Yeah, sorry, sorry McLaurin. I thought you were talking about Howell. I beg your pardon. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh Howell, Howell's been. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's what I mean. There's been no consistency from from Howell. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you, yeah. do, you don't trade McLaurin. He's he's the best player you've got in that offense. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's close. If you think of many others who are on that offense of who you would take, if you, if you had the option to handpick from the commander's offense, you're taking McLaurin. Yeah. I don't think I would take... Jake, would you take anyone else over Scary Terry? Not over Scary Terry, but I think no. they do have some good offensive weapons. They've got John Dotson... Brian Robinson, they do have some good offensive weapons. They just need stability at their quarterback and give the keys to to be enemy. Uh, oh yeah, they definitely see what need I to can do. That, actually, the enemy needs to be made uh, head coach and get in another quarterback. I just don't think Howell's good enough. It's not consistent mm-hmm. enough. Well, neither uh, did the Commanders, but but uh, Jacoby Brissett got injured in the the warm up or injured his uh, I think it was his hamstring, so. <laughs> Yeah. I'll end up playing anyway, uh, but I think even the commanders have come to terms that uh, maybe he's not the answer. Yeah, but it's said completely outplayed him the past two two times he's come in. So I mean that that says no offense to Jacoby Brissett, but that says a lot about Sam Howell. It really does, and the way he's played. Um, so, gentlemen, we're going to move on. We come to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Seattle Seahawks at Lumen Field in front of sixty-eight thousand seven hundred thirty-five fans, and the Steelers come away with a thirty to twenty-three win, moving themselves up to nine and seven, knocking Seahawks down to eight and eight. And um, this game was all about. Uh, oh my goodness! You might as well call this the stiff arm game. Oh my word, <laughs> Najee Harris and Jalen Warren were literally throwing Seahawks defenders around like they were ragdolls. It was absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, Mason Rudolph went 18-24, 274 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, Najee Harris went 27 for 122 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Warren went 13 for 75 yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver, George Pickens, seven catches, 131 yards. On the other side, Geno Smith, 23-33, 290 yards, a touchdown. Um, Kenneth Walker, the third was a leading rusher, 10 for 53, and the leading receiver was DK Metcalf with 5 for 106 yards. The only touchdown they had um, by that was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, he had a one catch for 12 yards score. But yeah, I mean, the, the Steelers rushed for 202 yards in this game. They completely dominated uh, the line of scrimmage. The Seahawks had no chance, and I say their defenders were being tossed all over the place uh dave i know you like to talk about the seahawks losing so uh, why don't you uh, give us your quick thoughts on this one two organizations that i have dislike for uh especially this season but uh yeah i i think um the quarterback play wasn't terrible but i think um they didn't really utilize it. I mean, they've got they've got three very good wide receivers. The Seahawks. They've got DK Metcalf. They've got Tyler Lockett, and they've got Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigbo. Now, and Jigbobo. 
Yeah, and Jig Bobo. Yeah, well, well, yeah, Jig Bobo as well. But uh, Jig Bobo was not really involved in this game because he had one touch in the entire game. But um, so in saying that, though, so did Jackson Smith and Jigba and Tyler Lockett only had one touch each in the game. So that is uh, something that they were unable to utilize. Along with, I mean, they tried to get the run game going, but uh, what do we say about the run game? If you can't get it going, you're probably not going to win the game and Kenneth Walker had 10 carries for 53 yards one uh, obviously one touchdown but they put ball in Gino's hand 33 times well 34 times if you include that one sack but uh, Mason Rudolph did everything perfect because George Pickens had one of the games of his life as far as I could see uh, yeah uh, I Mason Rudolph at uh, 18 or 24 he's turned into a brilliant uh, choice. Uh, Kenny Pickett, not happy. Uh, I mean, don't you dismiss MVP. MVP? Don't you dismiss? I, I was MVP. just about. I was just about to come I to him. Know you. Uh, he, he's he has no right to be happy after what he did previously. Um, but Najee Harris, uh, he's finally woken up and decided, yeah, I'm going to play some football, and he's going to play like elite Derrick Henry uh, because that's what he did in this game, as did Jalen Warren. So, yeah, and. Well, what, what did you say? What did you say in your tweet? Uh, there's the three three certainties in life: death, taxes, Mike Tomlin having a plus five hundred because that's what the Steelers are able to do. With, let's be honest, not the best roster, and yet he still manages to do it. Yeah, what do you think of that, Jake? I mean, that was that was my tweet, and I think it's very very apt. And uh, Mike Tomlin does it again. Uh, I think Mason Rudolph is the kind of the best of the the three. I don't know if he's kind of a star and quarterback uh, or one that you can feel massively confident with, uh, but he's certainly a, a solid backup, uh, very reliable compared to your two. Say no touchdowns, no interceptions, just kind of steadied the ship. Um, Najee Harris mentioned that was his season high. And the Seahawks defense, I don't remember if you if you want to go back to the kind of start of the season. I was very high on two defenses. It was the Cleveland defense and the Seattle defense. And at the start of the season, they were hot. They were a very good defense. But it's not even been the last few weeks. It's, it's borderline months. The Seattle defense has just completely tailed off. And I'm not sure what went wrong, because at the start of the season, they were honestly one of my favorite defenses. I thought they were going to really help carry this team, but they've, they've fallen off a cliff, it feels like. Uh, they have, and they were just being manhandled by by the Steelers up front. It was it was just embarrassing for um, the Seahawks' point of view defensively. Uh, we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in front of seventy three thousand five hundred sixty five fans. And all I needed was for the Bengals to win this game, and they mm-hmm. didn't. Uh, because I needed them to win, they lost twenty five to seventeen to the Chiefs. Um, we're looking at some of the box score here. Jake Browning went 19 of 33 for 197 yards and a touchdown. Um, a leading rusher was Joe Mixon, 21 for 65. The leading receiver on this Bengals team was Joe Mixon, four catches for 22 yards. That's not going to get it done. Uh, you did have a touchdown as well. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes, 21 at 29, 245 yards and a touchdown. Um, uh, leading rusher, Isaiah Pacheco, 18 for 130 yards. Um, he also had seven catches, leading rusher game, 35 yards and a touchdown. Although Rashid Rice had five catches for 127. Um, through the sort of third quarter of this game, though, um, the 
the Bengals are winning 17-16 um, and it, it didn't really look like the Chiefs are going to do be able to do much. However, they did have Harrison Butker because when the Bengals were up 17-7 to um, with 6.23 to go in the first half a one-yard rush by Jake Browning uh, for the McPherson extra point, the rest of the game was Harrison Butker and he kicked six field goals. 54 yards, 43, 27, 24, 48, and 46. Um, and the Bengals just weren't able to get anything done offensively. The Chiefs, as I say, move up to 10 and 6. They win the AFC West, knocks the Broncos out to the playoffs. Ah, uh, goddammit. And uh, the Bengals fall to 8 and 8. Um, Jake, I'll throw this one over to you very quickly. The Bengals... Um, with Jake Browning, they, they've looked good with Jake Browning, but that entire second half, they could get nothing done offensively, and it really hurt them in this game. Do you, you think, though, he's still he's still a solid backup, Jake. Obviously, they're going to go back to Burrow when he's when he's fit again. Um, but the Bengals have got a lot to look forward to with uh, Jake Browning, if they can keep him. Oh, I think he's certainly earned himself uh, a good few years in the NFL as, as a backup Um for here, there, and everywhere, whether it's with the Bengals or, like you say, someone else tries to snap him up, I think he's done enough to to keep himself around. And then for the the Chiefs, it's eight straight AFC West uh, titles. I think that's second only to the Patriots, who won nine straight. So next year they will be going for history. And like I say, Booker six or six. Uh, the Chiefs are now locked in at number three. I don't think they can wiggle up or down. So they will maybe another one uh, resting players. I don't know if we'll see Patrick Mahomes next week. I wouldn't imagine you would. Uh, Dave, uh, the Chiefs, as Jake mentioned, they're all right. I think they are locked into that uh, number three spot there. Um, it looked pretty bad in the first half, actually, from an offensive point of view. Um, the second half did look better, but they weren't able to get into the end zone. I'm still not ready to write them off yet because, you know, come the playoffs on any given Sunday, um, the Chiefs can still beat... Pretty much anyone, although at the moment I might not fancy the chances against Baltimore. Of course, still got to see how the, the playoffs actually play out. But um, what do you think? Uh, Rasheed Rice finally had himself a big game. Do you think that uh, the Chiefs can still make a deep run into the playoffs? No, I don't. Uh, I, 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 I'm not seeing enough from them. Patrick Mahomes needs some sort of weapon. He hasn't really got it, I'm afraid to say. Uh, Pacheco, yes. Uh, but there was a lot of checkdowns in this game. Um, I mean, Rashid, Rashid Rice, yeah, he, he had finally had a good game. Kelsey was kind of taken out of the game by the Bengals' defense, so I think they did quite well there. Uh, Valdez Scantling was non-existent. I think he got one one reception for three yards. It's just not good enough. He's just he's mimicking uh, Tony, Kadarius Tony, in, in this game. Uh, or even this game, they they're just being as bad as each other. Uh, oh, he, in this he did, season, he did have two awful drops. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and, it's, it's one it's, of them. It's Tony Mark too. Yeah, one of them hit him right in the hands, and you're just thinking, what's going on? You you have to. I know it. It sounds like I know. I know. Everyone knows that I I think Patrick Mahomes is an incredible quarterback. He's one of the greatest mm-hmm. I've ever seen, and it sounds like I'm just giving him a pass, but. Our receivers just aren't catching the ball, and they're like, Correct. "What? What can you do?" It's 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 similar to that sort of. Do you remember that sort of two or three game stretch the Ravens had earlier this year, where um, no matter what Lamar did, 
they were dropping, even like Mark Andrews was dropping passes, which never mm-hmm. happens. It's the same sort of vibe I'm getting with Kansas City, but over a much longer period of time. This has been happening since week one. They've had players yep. dropping passes. Do you think maybe now Rice will be like, hey, do you know what? Actually, I, I could be a good receiver and, and maybe they'll sort of look to him more. What do you think? I hope so. Uh, for their sake, I hope so. But I, I'm I'm not convinced. I'm really not convinced. They, uh, the, the way that they won this game was uh, Isaiah Pacheco on offense and their defense basically getting to Jake Browning a lot. Uh, because, I mean, he racked up six sacks. So he that that's not a fun day for him. Uh, but yeah, I think if they've got any chance, I think it's going to be their defense. Um, Carl Aftis had a great game. Uh, I mean, you know, you know what you get with players like Nick Bolton, uh, Willie Gale, Lugia Sneed. These guys are fantastic. Chris Jones obviously is a threat in every single play. Yeah, their defense kind of uh, stepped up in this game, and I think uh, Mahoba said it maybe twice during the season. We've got to stop relying on our defense to bail us out. Uh, I think they did it again. They had to do it again in this game to get the win. So, yeah, no, the Chiefs are not going to have. They're, they're not. I don't think they're going to get the Super Bowl. They're, they they just don't. I I mean, they're they're not going to do anything against this Ravens offense uh, whatsoever. Uh, even the Ravens defense as well. So, yeah, Chiefs are going to be third seeds. I, I'm pretty sure Jake's right in what he's saying about the Chiefs. They can't go up or they can't go down. Uh. It's going to be weird to see if the Chiefs actually have to play away from home in the playoffs because it's not something we've been used to for the last few years. It's not something they've ever done since Patrick Mahomes has been their quarterback, uh, which mm. is just horrendous. Uh, but we're going to move on, guys. We come to Mile High Stadium where the Los Angeles Chargers and Eastern Stick were taking on the Denver Broncos and Jeff Stidham. It's all about. And the Broncos won this <laughs> one 16-9. 16-9. This game was... Rubbish. This was a rubbish game. It really was. Lil Jordan Humphrey got a 54-yard touchdown pass from Jared Stidham to the Bronx up 10 to 3 with 637 to go in the second uh quarter. And that was it. That was the only touchdown of the game. Teams exchanged a couple of field goals. Uh Willis also missed a field goal as well. And final score, I say it was 16 to 9. Looking at the box score, Easton Stick, 24 of 30, 220 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He was only sacked once. Austin Eckler went 13 for 46 yards. Uh, leading receiver in the team was Alex Erickson, who had seven catches for 98. On the other side, Jared Stidham, 20 of 32, 224 yards, one touchdown. Um, leading rusher was Javonte Williams. He had 15 for 41, although Jillian McLaughlin had eight carries himself for an additional 44 yards. Uh, and a leading receiver uh, on the team. As far as receptions go, was Brandon Johnson, 4 for 27, but as I say, uh, yardage-wise, Lil Jordan Humphrey, 2 for 69, and the aforementioned touchdown. And I said this last week because um, the game that the, the Broncos played last week and Russell Wilson just did not look very good. And I said, my goodness, does this team miss Cortland Sutton? He wasn't playing again in this one. Neither was Marvin Mims, but oh my goodness, did they miss Cortland Sutton? Because when Jared Stidham was throwing a deep ball, it always seemed to be into double coverage and it always seemed to be almost intercepted. And I'm going, if that had been Cortland Sutton, he'd have been up there, out jumping guys, making one-handed catches behind his back. Because Cortland Sutton deserves being the Pro Bowl. I'm telling you that right now. Um, but there was nothing. There was nothing to take away from this game. The game itself, 
the fact that the Broncos still had a fighting chance of making the playoffs and they dropped Russell Wilson for money. Um, Stidham did nothing to show me that he's an improvement over Russell Wilson. So I, I, I don't even know what to make of this. Uh, Jake, did you even bother watching any of this? I hope for your own sake that you didn't. I saw the highlights and, you know, Stidham was steady. It was just... I didn't. I've got a lot of thoughts about the the Broncos kind of decision, and I'm sure, uh, as Sean Payton even said, in kind of when he was getting asked about it, we can talk about this in the off season. I think it's definitely going to be um, interesting, kind of what comes from it. Um, it was the first win as a starter for Stidham. I think it's the first time he's he's won since like 2018 in college. So nice for him um, that way. Um, career best uh, 16th sack for Khalil Mack he also um, got his 100th all time so that was good for him and then Lil John Humphreys another former Saint get a touchdown the, the strangest thing for me was the fact that they've benched uh, Russell Wilson for injury concerns and contract concerns yet he's still the backup he's not the third string he's the backup so if Stidham gone down Russell Wilson was going in which makes no sense yeah. doesn't add up with the, the story they're selling but the fact he sat there the entire game with a helmet on as if he was ready to go in it was just a it's a bit of a circus uh, it is a bit of a circus I, I'll be honest I don't like it I don't like what's going on here uh, I've got one more week of this I'll be glad when the season's over for this team uh, no idea what to do next year um, Dave on the other side of the ball there Easton Stick was thrown to the wolves. Um, yeah. Just like, you know, the young man, you're like, what, what chance has he got? He's played pretty well. You know, again, this has been the year of the backup quarterbacks. Oh, my word, it's ridiculous. Um, but he has played well. And almost like with, with Jake Browning over in Cincinnati, not the same level of success, uh, but then he's also been missing Mike Williams. Um, he's missed um, Keenan Allen for a couple of games. You know, so it's not it's not a, a fair comparison to what's happened with Jake Browning in Cincinnati. But he has done well, Easton Stick, and I think the Chargers will be glad that they've actually got someone who, hey, you know, in a pinch, if next year anything happens to Herbert, we can turn Easton Stick and he can still play for us. Um. Yes. But uh, I think in the kind of crucial moments, especially on third down, he was just non-existent, uh, which was quite disappointing to see. So um, it, it'll be fine as long as they get it, they get the first down on first or second down. Apart aside from that, he, he just didn't seem to have much hope. I don't know, was it the Broncos or was it him? But uh, he didn't have much hope either way, to be honest. Um Chargers are a bit of, I say a bit of a mess, they're a massive mess. Uh, Broncos are not a whole lot better, to be quite perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I, I mean, both both teams. Obviously, you, you, you'd expect the Broncos to look a little better, considering they're 8-8. Eight and eight, But they don't, and because we know what's been happening in the last few weeks, I think it also makes a lot more sense when you've seen how erratic some of the outcomes and plays have been. Uh Chargers, I, I, I don't. I, it's not Easton Stick's fault. That's all I'm going to say on Easton Stick because it's not his fault. Chargers are an absolute mess. Brandon Staley has left a bomb site behind uh, with uh, the end of his kind of. I, I'd say there's a very good chance at the end of his head coaching career in the NFL. I, I, I don't see a way back in because I'm struggling to see a positive. See, you um, see that, and I, I know I get where you're coming from. Um, 
But Josh McDaniel's got another gig. And he's rubbish. Yeah. And everyone and knows you- he's rubbish. And people have known he's rubbish since, you know, for the last 15 years. And he got another gig. So, you know, what well, I tell you? We're also, you also see um, Robert Sala. Who, who, there's uh, questions about his job. Who could potentially be? Who, who, would, who would they maybe look, in, you know, within the building to move up instead of Robert Sala? I mean... There's no, yeah. there's no way the Jets make Hackett head coach. They don't do it. It's if it they, if they jet, do, it would be a Jets thing to do. Yeah, if they <laughs> do, that would be just utterly insane. Oh, I can't even talk about that. Right, right so we're going to move on, gentlemen. <laughs> we come to the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings at US Bank State in front of sixty-seven thousand and three people, um, and they watched the Green Bay Packers come in and put the beat down on the Vikings, 33-10. to 10. Looking at the box score in this one, Jordan Love went 24-33 for 256 yards, three touchdowns for a rating of 125.3. Um, leading rusher Aaron Jones went 20 for 120, and the leading receiver in this one was Bo Melton, who had six catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. Jaden Reed added six for 89 and two touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, Nick Mullins, 13 of 22 for 113 yards and a touchdown. Jaron Hall, Jaron Hall, Jaron Hall, I'm going to say Jaron Hall, came in, he went 5 for 10 for 67 yards and a pick. Um, leading rusher was Ty Chandler, 10 for 40, and the leading receiver on the team, um, no surprises there, Justin Jefferson, he went 5 for 59, although Johnny Munt did also score a touchdown as well. Um... This game was basically a beatdown by the Packers. The Vikings, they went down 10 nothing quick. Um, when they finally scored a field goal, they were actually losing 30-3 to with just 49 seconds to go in the third quarter um, before Johnny Munz had caught a six-yard pass from Nick Mullins. Uh, and then Anders Carlson finished it off the 37-yard field goal to make it the final score of 33-10. to um, Packers go to 8-8. Eight and eight. Vikings are at 7-9. and nine. If you look at the NFC North, the Packers have clinched a playoff spot at 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, Jake, the Packers might be coming good towards the end of the season. This was certainly an impressive win for them. Um, what do you think of their chances going into the postseason? Have they clinched? I know if they, they win uh, next week, they're definitely in. But I know the Rams are locked in. I wasn't sure if the Packers yeah, were. They're not I clinched. thought they'd clinched. Have they not clinched? Uh, no, Packers have not clinched because they're 8-8. Oh, eight eight. No, you're absolutely right. I beg your pardon. They have not clinched. I apologise. I was looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, this was the, the the one game I was hoping for a tie because uh, neither team winning helped me. Um, now need the Packers to lose next week. Um, but getting Aaron Jones back, he rushed for 120 uh, getting him fit and their wide receivers, even when they're they're not healthy, uh, they don't have what you would assume would be a good wide receiver room. But Jordan Love really is kind of making the best of, of a bad situation in terms of his wide receiver room, and they're coming good at a good time. Like I say, they they are completely in their own control. If they win next week, they don't have to worry about anything. It's it's not ideal for for me. Um, but it's been good, I would say, for the Packers the last few weeks. Uh, I think about five, six weeks ago, I started saying, that, you know, the offense is getting there, and John Love is showing promise, and they, they keep on growing and growing, and maybe not a team you want to be bumping into. Uh, Dave, if the unthinkable happens, 
and Jordan Love is able to turn into a really good quarterback and the Packers get another 10 years of exceptional quarterback play and we all just, you know, decide to call it a day. Um, what do you think the the the, the back office or the, the, the top men at Green Bay will do differently than they did with the whole Aaron Rodgers era, because that entire era of Aaron Rodgers, and we said, you know, he's one of the most gifted quarterbacks that we've seen in a long, long time in the NFL, and he's getting no help from his team, and didn't through all, almost throughout his entire career. Um, do you think they would treat it differently with Jordan Love and try and build parts around him? They certainly seem to believe in the guy, um, even though through this year he had some pretty ropey stretches. Um, he's been mm-hmm. hot and cold. He looked very... He looked pretty good in this game a lot more consistent uh, i'm not disregarding the, you know the vikings but you know with nick mullins there they didn't really have much of a chance um and I, I i don't think that many people thought that the vikings would have had much of a chance in this game i mean they're at seven and nine and um i don't know if they're out of the playoffs and technically not out of the playoffs yet um they would need an absolute miracle to get in um but Back over to the Packers again. What do you think the Packers might do differently? Uh, or do you think they do anything differently with Jordan Love at the helm as opposed to Mr. Rogers? Um that's an interesting question. I I think I, I think they, they're gonna keep state like keep Jordan Love for the next few years, and I think the way to really help him is maybe uh maybe go for a wide receiver in the second round, but go for uh offensive lineman in the first round. I get a bit of protection for him, keep him upright. Um they've got quite a young roster if I remember seeing about the Packers. They've got, you know, a good few young players. So I think they've got a lot to build around. Um Vikings chances of making the playoffs are three percent. So that it's not going to happen. Uh whereas the Packers are at sixty eight percent uh likelihood of making the playoffs. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's something to watch though. I don't, I'm, I, I mean, I, I, I hope that the Saints make the playoffs. Um, but I think that the Packers are probably going to make the playoffs. The interest, the, the other interesting thing that I'm taking away from this game is that, uh, the Vikings, I think that Kirk Cousins could be done because obviously he has short contracts. I think they might move on. I think the Vikings might trade up. Ooh, from interesting. This game. Interesting. But uh, also, just after this game, and all looking at the results, Seahawks are now 21% chance, Falcons 17% chance, Saints 34% chance, Bucks 56, Packers 68%. That is the percentages. Yeah. So it's looking like uh, the. Packers will make it and probably eat one of the Saints or the Saints in the box and there's also a chance that they both make it. And gentlemen, that wraps up our week 17 recap. Ooh. So before we move on, we're going to have our WinFL show week 17 awards and we start with offensive player of the week, Jake McGee, who is your offensive player of the week? La MVP. 18 of 21, 321 yards, five touchdowns, perfect passer rating, 635 on the ground. This was easy. It was. I was tempted to go for Brock Purdy just to annoy Dave, uh, but I won't do that. Uh, of course, it was Lamar. I mean, <laughs> three incompletions, five touchdowns. This is ridiculous. Lamar all the way. Dave, please don't argue with us on this one. 
I'm going for Puk. No, I'm not going for Puk. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going for Lamar Jackson. It's, it's not even close. I'm afraid to say. Uh, he's he's a special quarterback. He is indeed. Uh, we then come to defensive player of the week, Jake McGee. Uh, I gave it to Rizal Douglas uh, for the Bills. He had two interceptions, uh, forty yard pick six, three passes defense, and the other interception he tipped. So he was here, there, and everywhere for them. He was indeed. Um, I've actually gone for uh, Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, five tackles, uh, three sacks in this game, but like Russell Douglas, he was all over the field. So I've gone for Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dave? I was tempted to give it to Cam Jordan, but I am going to go for Russell Douglas because... Um yeah, he was, he was just brilliant in the game. Jake, Jake took most, the nearly, well, actually took my notes and more in describing why he was giving it to him. But yeah, Rizzo Douglas all the way. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I was tempted to give it to Aiden Hutchinson, who had a monster game for Detroit, but it just mm. wasn't, wasn't enough. Um, and then we come to our defensive slash special teams unit of the week. Jake, who have you got? Uh, I give it to a man who's got 19 points by himself. Uh, you mentioned the distances, so I won't bother, but Harrison Butker, six of six and an extra point. Yeah, I'm going Harrison Butker as well. Just You, you can't really, when you, when you completely outscore, uh, outscore the opponent almost by yourself, it's just, you know, what else can you do? Harrison Butker all the way. Dave? Yeah, I've given it Harrison Butker. I nearly gave it to Gunnar Olszewski. Ol- of the Giants for for giving me a heart attack and make, making my life very uncomfortable. Uh, but, you know, I'm giving it to Harrison Butker because uh, it's, it's embarrassing that uh, I'm jealous over a kicker. But that's exactly the situation. That's, that, you know, such is life, as the French say. Uh, right. So, yeah. So, gentlemen, uh, we're going to move on now. We come to our rapid fire, our final Final rapid fire wow. preview of the 2023 slash 2024 season. Um, and we start with the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Jake, I've got your Saints winning it, so they'll probably lose. Sorry about that. Uh, got your Saints winning this summer <laughs> score of 26 to 20. I'm very similar. I've got the Saints winning 24 to 20. I, I I have 19.16 for the Saints. Saints going to win. Wow. Clean sweep. Then I have the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. And I just can't see the Bengals winning this one. I just can't. The way the, these Browns are playing. I've got Cleveland winning it by a score of 24 to 16. Um, because this is a team I'm expecting to rest a few players, I've actually gone the Bengals. Ooh. 21 to 17. Ooh, I, I, I was very torn, uh, but I'm picking the Browns just 21 to 20. We then have the Texans at home. Uh, sorry, no, the Texans, I beg your pardon. We have the Texans traveling <laughs> to take on the Indian, Indianapolis Colts. Um, and because the Colts are at home, I'm taking the home team by one point. 21-20 to Indianapolis. I also have it as a one-point game. But you know I've given it to my Texans. 25 to 24. Nice. Wow. Uh, this is a really, really hard game to call. I- I'm narrowly, very narrowly giving it to the Colts. 
and I, I, I don't say that lightly. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be 24 points to 22, which seems to be a regular score that I give every single week. I don't know why, but I do. So Colts to win 24-22. Then if the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to take on the Tennessee Titans, uh, and I think that the Jaguars win another very close game. I've got them winning this one, 19-17. to 17. I've got the Jags winning quite comfortably, 23-13, and, and locking up the division. I was really torn in this one, actually, because I know the Jags are a bit of a downward spiral, uh, but I think C.J. Beathard just does enough. So I'm going to say it's going to be 23 points to 20. Then have the Minnesota Vikings travelling to take on the Detroit Lions, and I've got the Lions winning this one fairly comfortably by a score of 27 to 16. Oh, almost, almost exactly the same, 28 to 16. I think the Lions certainly are going to beat up uh, and let out some anger and kind of put a point. No matter where you put them, second, third, they are going to mean business in the playoffs. Uh, I've got 34 points to nine for the Lions. <laughs> Embar- yeah, I think they're just going to embarrass the Vikings and the Vikings are going to finish seven and ten. Then have the New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Um, and if there are three things that are sure in life, <laughs> death taxes and Bill Belichick doing his damnedest to kill the New York Jets. And I think the Patriots will win this game, but it's going to be a wee bit closer than, than an absolute killing. I've got the uh, Patriots winning this one by a score of 23 to 10. Amen. Bill Belichick hates the Jets. 15 10 to the Patriots. <laughs> 15 10, love it. Oh, I mean, uh, we're kind of going along similar lines here. I've got 20 points to 14 for the Patriots. So, a very low scoring, boring Bill Belichick masterclass to finish the season. We then have the Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. And I've got the Steelers winning it. Throw all your form out the window. I reckon the Ravens are resting everybody. And I think the Steelers win this one by a score of 19 to 8. 18. Don't ask me how I got that score. They have already confirmed that Lamar Jackson will not be playing. I don't think it matters. I think the Steelers still sadly lose. They've got their 500. What else have they got to play for? So the Ravens still win 20-17. to 17. This game is a weird one because uh, what I did notice was that the Steelers go into this game as the favourites uh, on, on the spread uh, because of no Lamar, basically. Uh, but I am taking the Ravens very narrowly, 20 points to 19 as well. Then are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers. And I'm sorry, Jake, but I think the Bucs are going to win this game, uh, unfortunately for your Saints. And I've got the Buccaneers winning this one pretty handily. 27 to 6. I wanted to do it, but I care about my pickums too much. So I've got books 27 to 9. Oh, uh, I think that the Bucks are going to win this one by one point. I think the I think they're gonna like shoot themselves in the foot continuously, but the Panthers are so bad that they're just gonna let them win anyway. So I've got the Bucks winning by twenty eight points to twenty seven. I hope that doesn't happen because I'll just cry. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be worse. <laughs> if they blow them out, at least I'll at least sleep. We then have the Chicago Bears traveling into Green Bay to take on the Packers, and I've got the Packers winning this one. Uh, they always beat the Bears, unfortunately. And uh, I've got the Packers, no change here. Score of 30 to 19. 
uh, sadly another team I need help from, and I couldn't even convince myself, so I've still gone Packers 21-17. Here's Dave's upset of the week, the Bears to beat the Packers at Lambeau. 21 points to 20. Ooh. Then of the Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Commanders. Uh, no problem for the Cowboys here. They're going to win this one 27 to 10. Yeah, I can see the Cowboys at one point resting stars toward the end of it, but I still think they're going to coast 31 to 6. Mm, I think it's going to be closer. But the Cowboys will still win out. Uh, I think it's they're going to win by twenty three points to seventeen. We then have the Denver Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders in the Jared Stidham revenge game. Um, I don't know if Gordon Sutton's back for this one, and the Broncos are already out of the players, so the playoffs uh, as are the Raiders. So I've no idea what's going to happen, but you know I'm taking my Broncos, um, and I'm taking them to win nice and big because i hate the readers sorry christian mm-hmm. uh 31 i don't know how they get to 31 but they're gonna do it 31 to 19 oh well i've mentioned i really don't like the juju that is going on with the broncos neither do i they could lose by 40 points here <laughs> i've gone 20 to 19 the raiders raiders going to this game favorites and I'm sorry, Neosa, I'm taking the Raiders in this one. Uh, I'm taking them by 24 points to 20 and rate the Raiders to win it late with a late Aidan O'Connell bomb. My goodness. My goodness. That's all I can see of that. Then of the Kansas City Chiefs at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chiefs are going to win it. Uh, but it's going to be a close game. They're going to win this one. 21-17. I went back and forth many times with this game because I had a feeling Patrick Mahomes wouldn't play and I think that's been confirmed. Yeah. I've gone the Chargers 24-17 and I should not do this because how many times have the Chargers let me down? Uh, every time you've picked them, ever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See you next week. Uh, Chiefs to win 16 points to 6. There are the Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. Um, I'm taking the Giants at home. Taking the Giants oh, to wow. win 16 to 13. Eagles are com- utterly capitulated. 16 to 13 to the Giants. But it's the, but it's the Giants. I know it's the Giants. I think this is the perfect for the Eagles. It could be a get right game uh, 28 to 17. Got a close one. But the Eagles will still win it like just by a one, one score. So it's going to be 31 points to 25. We then have Dave's Los Angeles Rams traveling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers <laughs> women's team. No offense to any women out there. Uh, Dave, your team has to win this game. They can't beat, if they can't beat whatever the San Francisco puts on the field, then you've got no chance if you make it to the playoffs. Um, I've got the Rams winning this one. 26 to 3. Oh. <laughs> I I, I, honest, I honestly think the 49ers will just put out people we've never heard of. They'll replace their entire offensive line. They won't have any skill players out there. It'll just be rookies they picked up, guys off the street. I, I, I think they'll manage three points in this game. 
I uh, I'm not on the same boat. And I did I already not mention that Carson Wentz is the quarterback? Uh, oh, so sorry, that's I forgot. Bizarre. You think they're going to score that many points? Uh, I've got the 49ers 20. <laughs> uh, 49ers 24 to 20, because I think both teams don't really care about this game. Well, that last sentence that Jake said, yes, I don't think e- either team are really going to put a lot of uh, effort into this game, but... Obviously, I'm taking the Rams to beat the 49ers, even though it's a regular season, which we never seem to do recently. I'm going to pick it 19 points to 16. Then I have the Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm taking the home team, taking the Cardinals to beat the Seahawks. Um, and I think they put up a lot of points. Got the Cardinals scoring heavy, 39 to 22 over Seattle. Uh, I hope you're right. And somehow the Bears manage to win. Uh, I just couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. Uh, the Cardinals scoring a lot of points, 27, but the Seahawks scoring 30. I think if the Seahawks uh, focus on the run game, then they're going to win. But I'm back in the Cardinals, and I think they're going to win by 24 points to 21. We then have the game of the week. AFC East showdown for the title. Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins. Taking the Bills away from home. Taking the Bills Ooh. to win. 24-23. One point. Yeah, another one I really struggled with. I've gone overtime. 34-28. to 28, Walk-off touchdown for the Bills. Ooh. Oh, nice. Jake stole my overtime prediction. <laughs> and do you know what? Do you know how close, right? Because I was picking it. It was going to be 28-28, but I wasn't picking a touchdown. Picking the field goal for the Dolphins to win by 31 points to 28 in overtime. Wonderful. And that wraps up our final uh, week preview, week 18 of the 2023-2024 season. So, chaps... We come to our penultimate version for the regular season of Random Stats. Random Stats. Random Stats. Uh, Dave, why don't you go first, pal? Give us your random stat. Okay, well, I'm going to bet off-centre, which is very unlike me, as you know. Uh, But I'm going to take you back a a few years now. Obviously, uh, we're in 2024 now. But I want to take you back to 2016 because there was one epic game that happened, but it was not in the NFL. It was in the college. And you will see exactly where I'm going with this and you will allow it <laughs> because it's, it is NFL, it is American football related. Now, the Oklahoma Sooners were playing the Texas Tech University. Now, the final score in this game was Oklahoma 66, Texas Tech 59. It's a pretty epic game. So I want to read you the quarterback stats of this game and just how, just how ridiculous this is. Baker Mayfield, the Oklahoma quarterback, 27 of 36, 545 yards, 7 touchdowns. Baker played. However, the other quarterback, 52 of 88, 
for 734 yards. Five touchdowns and the difference in the game, one pick. That quarterback was one Patrick Mahomes who threw for 734 yards in that game. Those, I mean, you've got the first round pick in, in that draft and you've got po- quite possibly the best quarterback ever in that one game. But between the two of them, 1,279 yards and 12 touchdowns in one game. I think you could see that there was potential for two of the best quarterbacks in the league to appear in this game. Two of the best quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> well, okay. Depends on what team you support. But yes, the, no, the potential was there, is what I'm saying, in 2016, with Baker Mayfield throwing for 545 yards. Mahomes threw for 734 yards. I'm assuming not many defensive backs from <laughs> Baker's team <laughs> were drafted particularly high. Uh, not necessarily uh, particularly high, but um, I think Joe Mixon was also involved in this game. So, you know, that was a, a, another very good player in this. But, um, yeah, there wasn't many other well-known players in this game, but I think there was two players that certainly dominated this game. But, hey-ho, it, it, it's a random stat. I, I came across it. I thought, you know, what, I want to share this because it's not very often that you see quarterbacks throwing for nearly 1,300 yards in a game, even if it's in college between the two of them. And you know what? Patrick Mahomes, 88 attempts. No wonder that, no wonder Andy Reid's put it in his hands 50 times in some games. So uh, they, he knows he can do it, and he threw for 700 yards in this game. So... Yeah, that's a game for the ages. And, of course, between the two of them, 125 points. Nice. Nice one. <laughs> Must have a heck of an ice bath after that. <laughs> just get a, a gammy arm. Just, just be hanging there as you're walking along. <laughs> Um, okay, why don't I go next? Uh, yes, let me go next. So, this week, Dak Prescott through a 92-yard pass to uh, C.D. Lamb. Yeah? It's the longest pass in the league yep. this year. The longest pass in the league this year. And then it got me to thinking. Now, we know that 99-yard touchdowns have happened on numerous occasions. It, ha- it happens quite often. So I was thinking, what's the shortest pass to be the longest pass in the league? And I went back to the merger. And in 1973, Greg Landry of the Detroit Lions had an 84-yard pass. And that was the longest in the entire league. And that's the shortest, longest pass since the NFL merger. Now, in recent history, since the year 2000, the shortest pass to lead the league as the longest pass was 85 yards in the year 2000 by Dave's very own Kurt Warner. And that is my random stat. Big up Kurt Warner. Yeah. Uh, Jake, why don't you finish off our podcast, young man? 
Okay, it's not a particularly long one, but something that uh, is interesting going into next week and something to kind of keep it on next year. Uh, the NFC East has gone 18 consecutive years in which the defending NFC East champion did not repeat the following year. So if the Cowboys win, they will extend that streak to 19 straight years. It's the stat that never dies. Nice. 18 years. They've not had wow. repeat champions. No one can repeat. So next week, whoever wins, at least you know next year, they will not win it again. <laughs> that's odd. That's insane. When you, you know, like a, it's like, an like, anomaly. Well, it is because, you know, Dave was talking about, or, or forget if it was yourself or Dave talking uh, about the, uh, yeah, the Chiefs. Yeah, about the Patriots. Uh, well, yeah, the, the, the Chiefs, Chiefs winning the Chiefs. it like seven, eight years in a row and, and then the, the Patriots winning nine in a row. And uh, like in the, in, the, in the AFC West, just as an example, like the Broncos won five in a row and the Chiefs won six in a row. Prior to that, I think the Chargers won four in a row and the, the Raiders won three in a row. And it, it's always been in, in sort of chunks. 18 years have not had repeat. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely insane. Wow. It's a great stat, Jake. Yeah, great I want to keep an eye out for next week because it could, I could immediately kill the stat if the Cowboys fumble and the Eagles were trained. <laughs> yes, you could. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, that is basically the end of our podcast. Um, don't forget, you can find us on Twitter, at the WinFL show. Um, Dave, thank you very much for coming along. Pleasure as always. Jake, thank you for coming along. Happy to be back. We have one week's worth of games to go and then we are into the postseason for the 2023-2024 season. Um, it's been a heck of a ride. It hasn't really worked out for my team, but you guys are still alive. Your teams are still alive. That's the important thing. Um, what we will do next week after we do the podcast is um, we'll know the final playoff spots for every single team. Um, I'm going to get you guys Super Bowl predictions to see if they've changed from what we had all the way back at the beginning of the year. Um, so we'll be looking forward to that. We will, of course, have a Week 18 recap. We'll have no rapid-fire preview, but we will have our uh, Game of the Week. We'll have a, a proper preview for the wildcard games and, of course, random stats. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you on next week's edition of The WinFL Show. <laughs>